Fire Tribe, where you at? I hope you're ready, rising from the ashes and it's getting heavy Conspiracies, we got plenty and some are scary From aliens to Bigfoot, extraordinary, yeah, yeah Danunaki Dan and the homie Romy I was bugging out, all the crazy things he showed me Jesus bloodlines to the stars in the skies Always a good time, vibing with the fire tribe Hey, So wake up, wake up, get it cracking Rise out the ashes, I know you got a passion Kick off the combo with theories, many conspiracies Other dimensions, plenty ancient history Fire tribe, where you at? Wake up we about to get into it, I know you can't get enough At home, at work, it don't matter, turn it up Rising from the ashes, you know what's up Ay. Uh, Rising from the ashes Yo everybody, welcome to Rising From the ashes, I'm Danny Naki Dan I am the homie Romy, how are you? What's up, homie? What's good in the hood? There's something in my throat. I can't get it out. Sounds like a Dracula. Like a Dracula. Ooh, Dracula. <coughs> Dracula, Dracula. Cthulhu, Dracula. Dracula, Kulu. Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Whatever. Whatever. Hey, So today on the show, we have... My dad. Charlie fucking Robinson. Again? Damn. Again, man. And today, we kind of briefly talk a little bit about 9-11 and some like <laughs> crossover with 9-11 and the virus, so to speak. And uh, it's a it's a good conversation. It's a fun one. Uh, especially for people that don't know anything about 9-11, it's great. And if you do know about 9-11, then it's still good anyways because it's a, just like a cool, casual conversation. We don't go into too much details about it. We kind of talk around it and the impact that it's had on society and the comparisons between it and the virus. So uh, it's it pretty good. What'd it say, is Roman? good. Yeah, I fucking love Charlie. Like, I, it's this is an episode that I think is really good to have in our books of kind of like, yeah, you know, it's like, hey, man, like, you know, I, you know, like you, you want to talk all this dun da dun, you want to talk all this dan dan dan, this shit, my bro. Come on, what you know about building six, seven, eight, and nine, ten, eleven, twenty two. Come on, nine, eleven, thirteen, dog. You feel me? No. I no, no, it doesn't. No, but exactly. And then I'll say, listen to this episode, and then you will understand. So, <laughs> okay. I mean, uh, when we, when we did our first three episodes, the Genesis, we uh, did fifty conspiracy questions, and one of them was about nine eleven. And so it's good just to get a nine eleven uh, thing in the books on on the show, you know. So stoked about that. And uh, what else is going on, Romy? Oh, just hanging, hanging slightly to the left today. Oh, thank God. Yeah, you know, oof. Uh, Don't you hang to the right. Hey, yeah, yeah, when you do that, like I'll like run into doors and I'll like <laughs> bang it on the on the edge of the door. And it's, it's just like, yo, get in, yeah. get in the left side there, bud. Um no, I'm doing good, doing good, getting ready to have a big day of baking. I'm going to make a bunch of sweet stuff tonight. It's oh, going to be yeah. stoked. Yeah, man. Zucchini muffins, vegan Snickers bites, 
and probably some just classic oatmeal cookies. Wow, man. It's going down. You want some? You got to come up to a Washington. Washington? You're in Washington now? What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm up here. In we Kalama, still continuously Washington. look for uh, places to live in Oregon. I don't. So we'll see. Um, Cave Junction. Yeah, that's where we're looking. Uh, no Grants way. Pass, Grants Pass, Cave Junction. Holy shit. Uh, okay. I just went to a farm out there. Stayed a night with my partner's friends that have a farm out there. And, dude, it was amazing. I mean, it was a little bit south of Cave Junction. Yeah. Like, maybe about... Oh, uh, O'Brien? Um, it's not O'Brien, quite O'Brien, but it is right by O'Brien. That's you where... You go off the 199. That's where my girlfriend's uh, cousin lives. Dude, that area is honestly pretty special, I'll say. So we like, you know, we got offered a place to stay for the night. It was, we're on a long drive and, uh, you know, he's like, oh yeah, come on over. We're going to go to a fish fry tonight. And I was like, you know, Savannah didn't know what a fish fry was. And I was like, you bet your sweet. <laughs> well, then we're going. <laughs> we're going. Yeah. And uh, we had just like gone to the coast and like, went to a brewery and had fish and chips because I, I mean, I obviously love fish and chips because I'm not a freak. I'm kidding. I am a freak and I'm a freak for fishies <laughs> and chippies. And, uh, and it wasn't that good. And then we went to oh. this random place in the middle of Oregon, ran by a bunch of hippies who didn't give a fuck about COVID at all and had some of the best goddamn fish and chips I'd had in a long time. That's and awesome. it was fucking awesome. Then there was this other place. And this is, I'm telling you, this is in the middle of nowhere. Like, there's not a gas station. There's not a grocery store. There's no commercial stores until you get to Cave Junction, which is about 30 minutes away. Um, And then there's this other place called Frog Farm. And Frog Farm store has goat milk, goat cheese, Mm. elderberry syrup, plum chutney, books, guitar, fucking cookies, really good cookies. Uh a bunch of shit, man. And I was just like, I just kept getting my mind split open by these places that are on people's properties that have like, because the fish fry was like, there's like a food truck there. And it was like a stationary, you know, they built a deck around it. But they have they have it once a week or, you know, bi-weekly or whatever. And people come. No, no, it's every Thursday, Friday. People come. And there's a bar. And I was just like, dude, this is the dopest shit. Uh, like, this is no commercial anything. This is all like local community of. I think I know the place you're talking about. Yeah. No shit. Yeah, we were gonna go there, I think, but we didn't end up going. It's a little bit outside of. It's like in between Cave Junction and and O'Brien. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like um, if I could pull it up on a map. No, you don't have I can to do, do this that right now. We're, we're, you sure? We're on, we're on air, dog. Oh shit, we are. <laughs> That's right. But yeah, I know the place. Uh, yeah, we've been looking out for uh, houses in uh, Grants Pass because we want to be by the Rogue. Yes. Also, the um. Well, I guess I could tell you another story if you guys want to hear a story. Fun, fun, crazy shit. So was driving uh, right about still in Cali, about to pass the border into Oregon, um, where you turn on the 199 highway. 199 is where the the, the border starts, and uh, Smith River, which is down the further mm. 
on the west side of the 199 is fucking dope. Have you been to Smith River or seen it? I can't say that I have. I don't recall. I think I went to some spot. I can't remember what it was. Oh man, it is. It's beautiful. It's like it kind of reminds me of Montana. It's like Montana style mm. river there. White is there a rocks bunch of like secret little uh, beach locations like you have to hike down to them. I will see. I just I was driving through it mm. and just stopped and looked down. I didn't actually get a chance to go down there. But oh, on our way there, we were um, just just uh, south of that on the uh, one hundred and one, uh, and. Savannah had to pee and the baby needed to get changed. So we pulled off the road, whoosh, go up this road. And it's just, it, this is off the, off of a highway and there's no road sign. There's no exit sign or anything. It's just, it's just a road. And uh, we're going and it's, it's a beautiful road with trees overgrown and a lot of beautiful leaves. And we get to a gate and the gate is half open and half closed. And it says Mill Creek State Park. And we go up to the kiosk normally at the state parks, you know, you got to like pay a $5 day fee or whatever. It was boarded up. Uh, the hours mm-hmm. were crossed off and was like, okay, this, this place is definitely closed probably since COVID started. And um, yeah, so we just go drive. We're like, there's got to be some bathrooms around or somewhere where we can just stop and pull over. And it was really beautiful, so we just wanted to keep driving. And we're driving down about like three-quarter mile or so, and we just see the whoop, 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 red, blue lights flashing. And I'm like, oh, shit, all right. Um, and like I said, the gate was half open and half closed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, get out of the car. Or no, I don't because, you know, he basically – puts his hand on his gun, you know, puts his hand on the hip when I start to get out. And he's like, you guys, what are you doing here? We're like, oh, shit, man. Well, just look for a place to go pee. You got to change a, an infant, um, change the diaper. And he's like, get the fuck out of here. You guys crossed the fence. Like, you guys are illegally trespassing. I was like, well, no, the fence, the, the gate was open. So I, we're not trespassing. I don't care. Very aggressive and assertively um, getting us and, and shoot us out of there. And on the way out, I mean, and this was also federal plates. Like this wasn't a local cop car. This wasn't mm-hmm. like the, the, you know, the, the Mill Creek cop car. It was a, it was a federal car and he had a gun. He was strapped up and uh, on our way out, he basically followed us out of the park because he left the fucking gate open and he knows he fucked up. And there was two other cops that followed us. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the town and the next nearest town is five minutes down up the up the and this is on the water this is on the coast basically um it's like maybe like 40 minutes north of arcada or something like that Mm. and uh yeah and then like it's just like that's a coast guard base u.s coast guard base there and so you know you have federal trucks going in and out and you know there's something going on at mill creek state park there's something going on I don't know what it is, but they didn't want us to fucking there. Or well, he was out park. there. Huh? It's a state park with a private entrance. You're not supposed to be there. Well, the gate was open. <laughs> by accident, though. I mean, you know, by accident. <laughs> hey, that ain't my problem. You know what I mean? Like, gates open with no signs that say anything about stay out or, oh, you know. Okay. I mean, there are no signs. If there were signs, we would have probably 
turned around or, or pulled over, you okay. know, but there wasn't, it was very curious and I got a very curious, but you know, then I started thinking about David Pilates, um, who writes all the missing 411 stuff. And yeah. yeah. And so I was like, Oh shit, you know, this is, it's quite intriguing and interesting. Um, uh, and, and yeah, so, um, I don't know, but if anybody knows anything about Mill Creek State Park or that area of Northern California, be sure yeah. to let us know. Yeah, write us up an email or something. Yeah, please, please, for once <clears> in your <throat> freaking lives, write <laughs> us an email, please. So, Roman, Goodness. yes, what you got for us today in... beautiful you should win an mtv music award yo baby coming at you with that sweet angelic goodness okay here uh, it is rfda news rfda news. news segment numero un homie romies got something in tune for y'all motherfuckers <laughs> you feel me all right so um back in hawaii i had a friend that makes he's an artist of many sorts and he creates egyptian healing rods are you you familiar with egyptian healing rods i am not oh man okay so i wasn't either and they're really cool it took me a little bit to you know get over the woo-woo-ness of it Mm -hmm. um as you know they would say in the metaphysical you know or the people always call things woo-woo in the metaphysical sense, right? Because healing rods are um, basically two uh, metal cylinders that uh, are filled with magnets and crystals and other uh, biological organic material. And there are um, hieroglyphs and structures of um, Egyptian people uh, holding rods um, in their hands with the, uh, the left foot slightly in front of the other. Mm-hmm. And, um, this is where the idea of the healing rods came from. They, they date back to one of the oldest esoteric traditions known as the Amsta Kebeze or Kebze, um, the tradition of the elite, which combines the ancient knowledge of the Caucasian Highlanders and the mystical experiences mm. these practices can be traced back to ancient egypt iran and zoroastrianism which i think is what you were just actually talking we were talking about a little bit before right yeah babylonian that's kind of funny um zarathustra yeah zoroastrian is astrianism mm-hmm. Um, Amstad Kebze is an ancient spiritual tradition, tradition which has been preserved in the Caucasus Mountains. It is applied science of processing the human being. The process is that of the awakening and development of the Latin human faculties under divine grace and guidance. That's from a quote from the Kebze Foundation. Um, there is a handwritten manuscript by a Polish explorer and an antiques collector, Count Stefan Walaski. Um, was discovered these uh, his manuscript was discovered um, holding the secrets 
of the traditions of the elite. Um, Included in his manuscript was instructions of how to produce a series of rods, which were used for not only healing, but transcending and awakening to our higher senses. There are many examples of these rods being used in ancient Egyptian artwork, but there was no written record of what they were used for. Many have disregarded them as symbols of fertility, but the manuscripts and traditions that survived in the Caucasus Mountains tell us a different story. Caucasus. A story, Caucasus, uh, that was a story that was supposed to be kept secret only for the use of the elite. But thanks to Count Valesky, these rods have been gifted to bring us health and longevity to us all. So, um, Egyptian healing rods, what the fuck and how do they work? Well, there are 10 sets of Egyptian healing rods, all designed slightly differently for different purposes. All rods comprise of a copper cylinder and a zinc cylinder. And inside each is a different combination of crystals, magnets, and other biomaterials. These combinations harmonize to create a healing effect of the body when they come into contact with your palms. Many studies have been carried out by numerous experts from a wide array of fields, from surgeons to scientists of bioenergy to mediums and osteopaths. All can confirm that these Egyptian healing rods have profound healing, balancing and protective effects on the human body. In most cases, effects can be seen within five to 10 minutes of use. Some of the benefits include, you know, uh, energy and blood flow throughout the entire body, which comes from just... um, you know, having the uh, the magnets uh, and the conductive metal materials, an increased focus and awareness of psychic ability, protective bioengine energy cocoon forms around the body to prevent negative input, um, purification and curing of ailments and disease. Well, um, that last one is, you know, I don't know necessarily like uh, – I'll stand by behind the purification of curing ailments and disease, but having these rods, and I've had them for almost two years now, um, which means something because I can't even keep a fucking Nalgene water bottle for fucking two months or a pair of sunglasses, Hmm. but these rods are always with me. They're not always. What's that? You keister them? I keister them. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, they're cylindrical, so... Hey yo, um, hey No, they're they're really great though. Like so, like um, I'm pretty sensitive to people's energy and shit. So like, if I'm around people who have like really strong energy, or they, it's like a vibe that I'm just like not necessarily like can like be around for a long time without feeling drained. Um, I think we all know those people in our lives. Mm-hmm. If I bring these and just have them in my pockets in my pants. I literally like can be, I can hang around these people for a longer period of time. Mm. And what's, I your, feel, what, what's your opposite sign? Oh shit. Do um, you know? Opposite side of my opposite um, sign. What's the opposite sign of Scorpio? Uh, Taurus. Taurus. Do you feel like you have these negative energies around other Tauruses? Um, well, I think so. I think, uh, I, I mean, I dated a Taurus for like three years. Yeah. And uh, we don't talk anymore. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, it's it's interesting. I mean, but no, like like it's it's people's energies. It's it's people that have a certain like 
uh, archetype or, you know, or something archetype, it, it just something where I'm just like, man, I don't know if I can fucking vibe with these homies. Uh, yeah. uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a thing. I mean, dude, my friend makes these everybody. Um, if you guys are interested in them, um, I'm going to read more article. I got one, a couple more. Just want to read really quick. Um, just give you guys more history of these stuff, but healingrods.com. My friend Randall is there. Um, and he makes them custom. He lives in Hawaii, so it's milled with a lot of intention and good energy. And um, healingrods.com, super simple website. Uh, it says they're out of stock on there, but he, it's uh, you know, that's a, that's a marketing ploy. He makes them to order. So just hit him up if you're interested in them. Uh, I'm going to go into just a little bit more history. Uh, what I could find online is just like a basic search. Because I didn't do any research on them before I got them. He he made me a pair of them. He asked me what my favorite uh, crystals were. And and I told him, and, uh, and here we are. Uh, and then now, after having a, had these rods and experienced them, I started to then look up the, the history later. But for about 3,000 years, statues of pharaohs show them taking two rods into their palms and holding them with their left foot in front of their right. Pharaohs used rods for personal power, vitality, and mental to fit the cosmic forces development. They heard also the movement of energy in the human body and the importance of balance between the yin and yang, the female and male energy. And as a result, is a, another type of stem is created for each hand. In the early 1990s, Russian doctors, physicists, and scientific astropsychologists jumped at the chance to learn more about these old tools. Through years of scientific studies and research that they invented rods that are used by the Egyptian pharaohs. Right? They made a recreation, a copper rod that symbolizes the sun and male energy was created for the use in the right hand. Different materials, including quartz crystals, are inserted into the stems depending on the desired effect, such as psychic, uh, psychic healing or spiritual development. Russian cosmonaut, cosmonauts, athletes, doctors, and scientists, and others use them stems on a regular basis to restore balance, improve health and performance, and to click on their inner powers. Mr. Blank suggests that the bars are recommended to as preventative for people with the syndrome of transcontinental, whose activity relates to flights from one area to the other, drivers, sportsmen, tourists, you know, driving. When the internal uh, and external organization modes uh, asynchronous work as headaches and weakness. I feel like that paragraph didn't make any fucking sense. Um, I don't know if I actually really like this website. Uh, <laughs> sorry guys. Cause it, it goes on to not tell us about the other side, the, 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 the silver side or the, the non copper stem, which is kind of annoying, but, uh, the copper stem I know doesn't actually have the crystals in it it's just the 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 copper um sun sign stem so that's pretty cool that the other one is just like the you know you have a how magnets work you have a positive and you have a negative so um you definitely feel like energy in your hands and up through your arms into your body like there's no doubt 
um, that there, there's a definite feeling and whether or not it's just because there's magnets in, in them and they're trying to reach the other uh, magnet pieces. Uh, and it's just kind of like kind of that kind of movement throughout your body through magnetism. It is calming. I, I know that. And it's, it's relieving. Like I, I, you will have a sense of calm and tranquility when you hold them. And even if it's, even if it's, uh, you know, because it's all speculative, man. Like, right. We're, mm-hmm. we're speculating that these pharaohs had these rods and we're spec, but there's arts and art and statues of them holding them, but we don't mm-hmm. know exactly what they were made of, but through people, uh, you know, having these manuscripts that they have and Russian doctors trying to recreate them. What we do have is what we call Egyptian healing rods and they're pretty dope. I think they feel great. Um, I found lots of benefit from them. Excellent, man. Yes. I want to get me some of those. I like, I, I collect a bunch of, uh, gems and rocks and shit. They're all over my house. But uh, I don't have any of those, man. You should totally get some from my boy Randall. I will. I will. Actually. Yes. Tight. Um. So what I got today is kind of uh, kind of interesting. I guess we're gonna talk about Lemuria. When you say like, what does Lemuria have to do, Daniel, with fucking nine eleven and COVID? What does Lemuria have to do with nine eleven, Dan? <laughs> yeah. Right. So recently. On, I think September 2nd, Fauci announced that there's a new variant called Mu. So I have an article here from Yahoo Finance uh, from Independent, and it was written by Jade Bremner on September 7th. And the article is entitled, Mu variant found in every U.S. state bar Nebraska, with Florida and California suffering the highest numbers. California has recorded 384 moot cases with 167 cases contained in the Los Angeles County area. The Mu coronavirus variant has been recorded in 49 U.S. states with Florida and California reporting the highest numbers of Mu infections. Scientists have warned that this new variant of COVID could be more transmittable than even the Delta variant and could be vaccine resistant. California has recorded 384 Mu variant cases with 167 cases contained in Los Angeles County area. Until recently, Alaska had the highest number of Mu cases with 146 people testing positive for the variant. With its relatively small population of 730,000 people, Mu made up for 4% of the state's sample size. The strain was first identified in Colombia in January and has since been identified in 42 countries. Only 1% of COVID samples across the U.S. contain the Mu variant, while the Delta variant represents 99% of cases. Mu is not an immediate threat, said Dr. Anthony Fauci in a news conference, but scientists will be keeping a very close eye on it. This variant has a constellation of mutations that suggest that it would evade certain antibodies, not only monoclonal antibodies, but vaccine and convalescent serum induced antibodies he said mu only accounts for 2000 cases across the us as of tuesday according to the global initiative on sharing all influenza data la county public health issued a statement explaining more work is needed to tell what we are dealing with more studies are needed to determine whether mu variant is more contagious more deadly or more resistant to the vaccine than 
and treatments than other COVID-19 strains. It said Director Barbara Ferrer from Los Angeles County Department of Public Health stressed the importance of getting vaccinated, the identification of variants like Mu, and the spreading of variants across the globe highlights the need for L.A. County residents to continue to take measures to protect themselves and others. This is what getting vaccinated and layering protections so important. These are actions that break the chain of transmission and limit COVID-19 proliferation that allows for the virus to mute into something that could be more dangerous. Uh, fuck your vaccine bullshit. False narratives. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but that's just a, a article about the moo. And then I have this other um, article, and this is going to talk to us about what Lumeria is and the idea of it, because I think it's interesting that the variant is called Mu, and Lumeria, uh, Mu is another name for Lumeria. And for me, Lumeria has been coming up uh, in topics and conversation lately, um, especially with our next guest, Navier Alora who is uh, a good witch. And uh, I asked her to contact Lemurians. um, And that'll be in the next episode. And we're going to have her again on later. And she's supposed to try to get in contact with maybe some people or something from Lemuria because she lives in Hawaii. And it's suspected that the Pacific Ocean is where Lemuria might have been. There's also speculation that it was uh, Kari Kandam, which is this place between India, Africa, and Australia. There's a couple different ideas of this Lemuria place. Some people even think that Lemuria is really just Atlantis um, and just a different name for it. Who knows? I don't know. So this is another article from Grunge. The Untold Truth of Lemuria, the Atlantis of the Pacific. Well, Atlantis is the most famous sunken continent. It's not the only one that's ever been postulated by writers, thinkers, scientists, and mystics. After all, why should the Atlantic Ocean have all the lost continent fun? After Atlantis, the sunken continent that is probably most widely known is variously located in either the Indian Ocean or the Pacific or both. Unlike Atlantis, which began in ancient times as a legend and thought experiment, Lemuria began in modern times as a hypothesis by a highly respected scientist. Then others latched on to the idea, and it was widely expanded by occultists and nationalists in southern India. It's a pretty wild ride from where did the similar bones in distant places come from to a volcano full of monster people in northern California. So hang on to your hat and let's dive down to the murky depths of the lost continent of Lemuria. The scientific origins of Lemuria. While Lemuria has become a concept heavily entrenched in secret societies, mysticism, and the occult, it didn't start out that way. Lemuria was originally conceived as a legitimate scientific hypothesis put out there by a real scientist. It's also a much more modern idea than Atlantis which has its roots in legends of ancient Greece. As Gizmodo explains, Lemuria was hypothesized in the 1850s by Philip Lutley Sclater, a highly respected 
ornithologist who collected thousands of specimens for the British Museum. When Sclater was in his 20s, he began a study on the fauna of Madagascar, and he soon noticed that the fossils of animals he found there were similar not only to those of mainland Africa, but also to those in India. The now commonly accepted geographical theories of continental drift and plate tectonics were still about a century out from being a mainstream idea. So Sclater drew his own conclusions about how animals could have lived in both Madagascar and India without land between them. He theorized that there used to be land between them. Land bridges were a common explanation at the time for things now explained by continental drift, and there are sunken continents in the Indian Ocean. So Sclater's idea that there used to be a continent bridging eastern Africa and India wasn't completely out of left field. The lemur connection. If you're not already familiar with the idea of Lemuria, chances are good that the first thing that will strike you about it is that it has the word lemur in its name. You might dismiss this as coincidence. Maybe lemur means something that you just don't know. Maybe it's a sound, sound-alike word. Well, good news. Lemuria is definitely called that because of the animals. All that's Interesting explains that Madagascar was the center of Philip Slater's research at the time when the hypothesized Lemuria, so naturally lemurs were prominent in his work. Slater noticed that while mainland Africa and India both had species of lemur, Madagascar had a much wider variety. This led him to the theory that Madagascar was the origin point of the big-eyed primates and that they had traveled along this theoretical land bridge that spanned from southern India to southern Africa to western Australia in a big triangle. Since he was primarily concerned with the movements of lemurs, why wouldn't he call his lost continent Lemuria? The word lemur has its origins in the Latin word lemures, meaning spirits of the dead. Yeah. The animal was given its name by biologist Carl Linnaeus because of their spooky appearance and nocturnal movement. Lemuria was also the name of an ancient Roman festival of the evil dead, where people would try to appease ghosts by throwing beans at them. So if you know somebody that has COVID, this is me, not the article. If you know somebody that has COVID, throw some beans at them. Maybe it'll get rid of their move virus. I don't know. That's just an idea. <laughs> throw, some, <laughs> throw some fucking beans at them and cure them of their ales. Yeah, wait off those evil ghosts. Um, it goes on to say, let me see how many more there are here. Yeah, there's uh, quite a quite a bit. Um, so the lemur connection, that's interesting. I'll, I'll probably read some more of this in the future because we are uh, going to do an episode with uh, Navier and I'll read some more on that episode. Uh, it'll be out after this one. So stick around for more on that. I will post also the URL to the website so you can read the whole article if you want, or you can just stay tuned for the next episode. And that's all I got for you today thank you that was pretty fucking awesome uh and interesting and uh 
It's like, why yeah. the fuck would you name a variant Moo? Like, what the fuck is that about? I, I mean, I always, I thought, I always thought it was just like making fun of us, like cattle. Hmm. Moo, like moo. Like yeah, that. like like we are cattle, <laughs> so just get in line to get your fucking brand oh. or your shot, you know? Oh, interesting. Like, it, like they we're spell it M-U, though. farm animals. They spell it oh, M-U, it, like the M-U? Marvel Universe. Oh, then, which is, yeah, M-U, Moo is, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I just, you know me, I'm always just like, motherfucker. No, I know. Shit. No, I get it. Yeah. All right, people. Well, that was it for RFTA News. So... Here's the interview with Charlie Robinson. Charlie Robinson. Wake up. Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning into today's show. We are rising from the ashes. And we, as the fire tribe, will rise. Awaken our eyes beyond what is seemingly laid upon us. We can extend our consciousness to the further ends of our cosmic understanding. If you enjoy our show and you like the content that we create, make sure to like and subscribe. Share with your friends. Hello, everybody. Yes, please, please, please do. Also, follow us on Instagram at RFTA Podcast. If you have any questions or concerns, you can email us at risingftashes at yahoo.com. From the ashes, I'm Danny Unaki Dan. I am the homie Romy. How are you? What's good in the hood? Today we got Charlie Robinson back in the hot seat again for round two, huh? I'm back. I'm back. Thanks for for coming back, Charlie. Let's do it, man. I'm excited. I'm excited for this topic too. Now, now that you got me all revved up and like shot out of a cannon yeah <laughs> yeah so i was talking to roman and i was like roman what are we going to talk to charlie about we kind of talked to him like kind of blanketly about everything last time you know so i don't know what we want to get into like deeper with and then i i saw like your shows about 9 11 and i was listening to those and then you know it being just a few days after 9 11 
and the fact that we haven't done it yet. And, you know, it's been one of those things that's kind of awakened a lot of people to get into this realm of, uh, you know, not trusting the government so much maybe. And, uh, and then alongside with what's going on with COVID is kind of like a good, uh, comparison even too, because you can kind of see some of the same things, the familiar things, uh, in that as you can in, in the new COVID situation going on. So it's a, it's a good topic to talk about it and just kind of rehash. And, you know, I think most of the things are probably pretty much the same. And a lot of people have heard the story, but it's always fun to just have a different perspective or, or just to hear it again, because it's been so long that I think maybe some people even just forgot about certain elements of it, you know? For sure. And the thing about 9-11 is that you can you can bring that topic up and you can do a whole show on some angle of 9-11 that nobody's even talking about. <laughs> you know, like it's such a massive operation with yeah. so many moving pieces to it and so many different uh, play, you know, you could talk about New York City, or you can talk about Shanksville, or you can talk about the Pentagon, or you could talk about, you know, the planning stages or who was behind it. I mean, you can get in, get into the financial fraud that was happening at the same time, or who the Bush family was meeting with, and you can yeah. get on it. You can do an hour show on on one of those topics, and someone will go. I thought I knew about 9-11 and I didn't know anything about this. And it still happens to me <laughs> all the time. I'll hear something about 9-11 and I'll go, Jesus, I had no idea that that even happened. I mean, so it's, it is that conspiracy onion that you start peeling it apart and it just, there's more and more and yeah. more. The fact that they were able to pull it off at all is a miracle because there, there's so many things had to go right. And we've, we're pretty good at pointing out all the things that went wrong. And we're saying, all right, they made a mistake here and they made a mistake here and they left their, fingerprints, proverbial fingerprints all over this, this part of the event. But in actuality, the fact that they were able to do what they did was, was crazy and impressive. I mean, in a, obviously in a horrible way, but impressive that you can make, because all these things had to happen in the right sequence. And if somebody got tripped up, then this one, you know, and, and, and it happened. Some people did get tripped up. That's, that's why you've got three buildings and two planes. You know? Yeah. That's why I find it hard to believe that the government did that. Cause you know, they can never follow through with anything. Right. <laughs> they, they, they'd never do such a good job of it. Right. Yeah. Well, that, that leads me into a question that I, uh, yeah. that kind of statement right there, sir, Dan, is a question I want to ask Charlie, your specific opinion on, this thing that I get tripped up in, in classic conversations with people all the time. Okay. So do you think the New World Order leaders um, across the globe are capable of a simulation or a live action role play from the beginning of the World War II, seemingly the New World Order takeover setting in place in America and across the globe to have the technocratic takeover? Or do you think it's more actually happening like fire happenstance played on the heels um, and that there's too many facets involved to actually have any organization to pull off a long term plan about that? So do you, do you understand that question? Because I feel like I even lost. My yeah, <laughs> no, I no, I do understand it because <laughs> because when when you have a multi-generational plan, a game plan that you're not going to be around to 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 live out yourself, you know, if you're George, if you're Prescott Bush. In World War II, and you know that you're never going to be alive to see what your grandson George W. Bush did for this New World Order plan. You know that takes a level of of 
sacrifice, and I use that term loosely, be that that you have to invest in this idea, knowing that you won't be around to even reap the rewards of the benefits of this new world order, one world government that you put in place. So I think that there overall, there is a general outline, a framework of what they want. And within that, they allow flexibility. You know, they have 30 year plans, things like agenda 20, uh, agenda 21, which, you know, is agenda yeah. 2030. So they'll, they'll set goal po- posts there. They'll set a, you know, agenda 2050 is as well. There's a, there's another component there. So what they'll do is they'll say, that's our goal. Uh, agenda 2030 was their goal when they put that out in 1992 with agenda 21 came out and they go, okay, that's the goal. Now, as we get closer to it, there may be some variables. Maybe that gets pushed back a couple of years. I'm of the belief it's been pushed up a couple of years because I don't think that the, um, I think that it, you know, it's not agenda 2030. I mean, we're not going to need 10 more years or nine more years of this at at the rate we're going, we'll be there in four. So, so I think that they have a general outline of what they're trying to do. I think there is an overall goal. You don't have, you can have the big meetings like Davos and Bilderberg and all of that, but you don't necessarily need to. These guys know what works in their best interest. They know what they want. They know Mm -hmm. what they need. They don't need to have a big committee uh, meeting about it. They go out there and they put the things into place that benefit them and their, their people. They'll work together with one another. They'll compete against one. They don't, it's not a monolithic organization. They don't all want one nest, one specific thing. They want to be in charge Mm -hmm. and that looks different to different power. So, so that's what they want. They want more for them and less for us. That, that is universal in their thinking. So we, we know that it's just a matter of degree as to how they're going to go about doing it and what they're going to do. So something like nine 11, nine 11 was planned, you know, well in advance, which is the reason why you get predictive programming and things like that. Um, but yeah. in, you know, they can have the idea for it, but then when it actually happens, that's a more of a condensed schedule. And they were, they were working on rigging that building three weeks before it actually came down. So it wasn't like they had that part planned 20 years in advance. Yeah. They knew they were going to take the buildings down, of course, mm-hmm. but they didn't know necessarily ex- when that was, when the process was going to start. So, so it's a little, the answer is it's a little of both. It's a little bit of a long-term master plan for everything. And then within that, they break it down into chunks and some people are in charge of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this agenda and some are in charge of the other thing. And, and they're always, they always want the bankers in there because the bankers are pivotal to this whole thing. So yeah. yeah. And it's, and it's, and it's, it's also, I think for, for people that are maybe new to the idea of this new world order, I, you know, term that you hear, it's easy to be dismissive of that and say, Oh, you conspiracy theorists with your, with your terms and all of that stuff. But it's like, you know, it's, it's what they call themselves. It's not necessarily yeah, they, they what do. we call them. It's their, their name that George HW Bush mentioned the new world order 200 times in public speeches during his, just his four years in office Isn't it from 88 the- to 92. So it's not like, you know, it's not like, Oh, you conspiracy theorists imagining this stuff. Nobody's imagining this. It's They're on telling our money, you, right? What's that? It's on our money. Yeah. It says <laughs> yeah. new world order it's on, on money. fucking money. Yes. Yes. How perfect that it's on the money too, because yeah. money is such a trap in and of itself. And then exactly. you put that spell, that new world order spell not, on there yeah. so that it's every time you're interacting with that money, you're giving more power to, I mean, I'm not like a woo woo type of like, I, I, I appreciate the woo, but be. I don't you will be. understand it what? the way 
some people do, but like there's a spell component to this too, you know, which yeah. is really not to well, be dismissed. Once you're NWO, you're NWO for life. Yeah, baby. Blood in, blood out, you know? <laughs> too sweet. You're a, <laughs> that's a little that's a little WWE wrestling for you right there. <laughs> WCW. Yeah, it, WCW. Hulk um, Hogan, you know. The um, uh the book your uh your book controlled demolition of the american empire is eight, uh, 18 hours of listen time on audible and is beautifully it's just, yeah it's beautiful it's the great patrick smith the host of anarchast doing that <laughs> and each each uh chapter is about an hour long or maybe two hours long for the long ones but it's so perfect to be able to, to take such dense broad um strokes and obviously you know highly fractalized informative strokes of information and i was hoping to get some permission to play a couple clips from your audible book today on the show sure yes all right cool should have asked you yeah, before, absolutely. doing it live Hey. No, I, that's it's fine. I, I want people to go. I want people to go out there and, and support it. Patrick gets paid every time you buy one of those audibles. So oh, shit. <laughs> absolutely, go and get that, everybody. Yeah. Did you have them for us now, Roman, or later? Um, there's three of them, so we can do we can do them. Uh, and whenever it's mainly just from the uh the uh the forward. Um, and then the, just a couple of clips in chapter one that are specific to nine 11 that are just like, I mean, you just listen to these clips and you're just, <laughs> you're in it, you know, you strapped up and I wanted to see Charlie's take on those specific, uh, phrases. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know what, pl- what clips you're going to play. So yeah, we'll, we'll just, yeah, bust them out now Patrick's voice. because okay. once we get into the nine 11 stuff, that's. It's like never ending. It'll never, there'll never be an ending to it. So <laughs> we could just go forever on that. So do what you can now. Here we go. Here we go. Um, so from the controlled demolition of the American empire, this is um, a section in the foreword by Doug Casey. Here we go. The right to privacy. Privacy doesn't exist in primitive or collectivist societies. In the West, privacy is being replaced by transparency. The idea that everyone has a right better to monitor and watch everyone else. Minding your own business is considered antisocial. The Chinese social credit system is coming to the U.S. and will be considered a good thing. Privacy. Oh, shit. How did that change after 9-11? Oh, it changed a lot, man. I mean, that's that's the thing that most people... I think forget when, when it comes to the, you know, the, the damage done by nine 11 and it's, it's the buildings, it's the death, it's the wars, it's all that, that tangible stuff, but also the intangibles, like the removal of your privacy, the removal of your rights under the guise of protecting you from terrorism. And, you know, we've got to make sure that, that there aren't terrorists communicating with you. And we're, you know, the Patriot Act came out of that. The Patriot Act is, you know, was written before nine 11. You know, it was just waiting there for the pretext and the excuse to be put into play. And it's like, well, when after 9-11, that's the, that's the, you know, that's the problem, reaction, solution. So like, as an example of the privacy rights, just that we, we've kind of like normalized TSA going through security at the airport that didn't exist before 9-11. You didn't have to take your shoes off or go through some, 
a backscatter machine or get your balls fondled by some guy in a blue shirt. None of that stuff existed. I mean, you could get that if you wanted to, but you'd have to pay extra. Uh, in- I, I didn't have to. <laughs> You're a good looking gentleman. <laughs> that's why. Um, <laughs> but that, that, that concept of, of, oh my God, they did this to us go get them. Well, in order for me to really go get them, you know, you're going to have to give up some of these rights uh, that you currently have, because I'm going to have to be able to see everything. I'm going to have to be able to see what you're doing and I can't trust you. I can't just take your word for it anymore. And you're going to be sorry, but you're going to be viewed also as the enemy, but that's the best way for me to catch the enemy. I've got to assume everybody's the enemy and, and you understand that, right? And you're like, yes, just make it never happen again. And so that's where you get into a really messed up, spot where where you do the Ben Franklin thing where you trade in your your li- your liberty for security and you get neither and and that is um unfortunately where a lot of Americans in general get a bit they get they get fooled they don't realize what they're doing they just get so scared of the current situation that they say look do whatever you need to do just make sure it doesn't happen again well Listen, if you do that, if you give these these bastards un, unchecked power in the time of an emergency, they will go around creating emergencies in order to justify having this power. That's what they do. That's how they think. So they think like, like psychopath a, a maniac dictators. And so that's why we're at a bit of a disadvantage because typically we don't. And so we're always surprised when they do shit like this. And it's like, what, what did you think? What did you think a group of guys like Donald Rumsfeld and Dick Cheney and George W. Bush and Colin Powell were going to do if you gave them unlimited power and unlimited money? What did you think was going to happen? They were going to blow up the fucking world. <laughs> that, and that was what that that was what they wanted to do. And they were given a blank check and and, and, yeah. and take the gloves off, do whatever you need, go get them there, so we don't have to deal with them here. And that is, that is also, since we, you mentioned it earlier, that is also how you get a bit of this overlap with COVID mm-hmm. where you find the same thing. Just remove invisible terrorists for invisible virus. Mm-hmm. You've yeah. got the same thing. Please, daddy government, make it stop. You know, whatever you need to do. Well, whatever we need to do is we just need to make sure everybody gets 84 injections and then we'll see. Mm-hmm. Maybe you'll get the mm-hmm. 80. Okay, fine, fine. Can I, can I go to the movie theaters? Well, only if you get the 80 fit. So like- we're walking into this again, not us, obviously, not your audience, your audience. If you're listening to this stuff, you obviously know what's happening. You obviously have a functioning mm-hmm. brain and you can, you're like up, up above the riffraff and you can see the plan. But like, there are a lot of people in this world that can't see the plan. They can't, they just can't, their brain won't allow them to see what's actually going on because to recognize what's actually going on with this COVID thing is to acknowledge that we are in deep shit with our government. Mm -mm. And I think people just want to remain as ignorant to that as long as possible. And that is going to be what makes it actually happen faster. So, so nine 11, 20th anniversary, the crazy COVID thing, like sort of happening simultaneously is I think, a a way to kind of show people like, Hey, remember that feeling you had about nine 11 afterwards when you got really frustrated, when you found out it was all a lie, look what <laughs> we're going through right now. 
Like, mm-hmm. look, it's happening right now at the same time we're remembering 9-11. Look at the similarities. Look at fuck in some in some cases, it's the same people. Just yeah, and just look at the things that don't make sense, <laughs> you know? Yep. Because there's gonna be a lot of there's things lot. that don't make any fucking sense. And when you can't make any sense of it, that means there's some other shit going on, you know? That's exactly right. If you can't make sense of it, that's a perfect way to describe it. If you can't make sense of it because it's illogical, then that means it's happening for some alternate reason. Mm-hmm. And you and you need to find out what, what that is. What are they doing? What is the purpose of this? Yeah. What, is the pur- what was the purpose of taking these towers down? You know, what yeah. is the purpose of... of, of of keeping, you know, the test cranked up to 35 cycles so that you get all false positives. You're faking stuff. You're, 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 you're making it look like one thing when it's something else. Why are you guys doing this? What is the agenda? So, so with nine 11, like now with nine 11, we have the benefit of 20 years of hindsight. Now we can look back and say, Oh, you want to know why they did nine 11? The never ending war of terror. That's gone on for the last two decades. How many trillions of dollars has the fire, uh, the the military industrial complex put in their pockets? How many trillions of dollars have gone to the banks? How many l- rules have been removed uh, f- that 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 open up the you know the government, all their buddies in big business to do whatever they want? Like so, so we can look back on this and say, look, they remade the Middle East. They bombed the shit out of all these countries. General Wesley Clark went on television and said they've got this list and they're going to take out all these countries ending with Iran and it's and it's happened exactly like he said. So like mm-hmm. we can look back on 9/11 now with this amount of hindsight and it's and it makes perfect sense. And so I just encourage people to take that same mentality and just look at COVID and go picture where this is going to be 20 years from now. You're going to be there if you're even alive saying it all makes sense. Holy shit. I can see the big picture. So start thinking big picture now with regard to COVID and where we're going with once again, giving up more of our rights, giving up our privacy, giving up our freedom, giving up our bodily autonomy, whether it's taking off our shoes and walking through a backscatter machine or subjecting ourselves to endless shots. Like this is there's so many similarities here that if people aren't recognizing them, then they really need to like turn their televisions off, stop drinking the fluoridated water and like make an effort to try and understand (laughs) this world. Cause we really need people Mm -hmm. to be awake right now. Um, before we get in deeper with this nine 11 stuff, uh, I was going to ask you about Gavin Newsom Oh, geez. Have you heard about this? He did not get recalled in California. And he had about 3 million plus votes to keep him in office. And the other guy behind him, what was his name? Larry. Larry Elder. Larry Elder. He he had about a million and a half votes if, if Newsom got uh, disposed of. Um, but he didn't. But. Everybody I talk to in California, my friends, family, coworkers, uh, people on the street, everybody seems to have not wanted him in office. It's everybody outside do you think, of LA. Do you have any, uh, is there any, anything going on there that you're suspicious about? Cause as soon as I heard that, I was like, there's no way in hell that that guy didn't get uh, kicked out of office because nobody likes him. Nobody. Nobody. No. 
as a Cal, as I don't live in California anymore, but I lived there for 35 years. So I can speak as a Californian then, um, Look, the day before the election, they there were people that were saying, I went to go early vote and it says I already voted. And that was happening all over the place. The major, Even mainstream media was reporting that. So it's like, and I put a, a tweet, I put out something on Twitter. It was like, are, why, is, why is anybody surprised that there's already irregularities with the voting in California? Like, of course there is. You think they're going to leave this up to chance? You think they're going to let... Larry Elder come in here and fuck this whole thing up with the sixth largest economy in the world? No way. Gavin Newsom yeah. is too important to, to them. And, and He's I got, think, you know, his you know, his aunt is Nancy Pelosi. I mean, oh, I think people yeah, need to sense. remember that. Holy <laughs> like, shit. That's I, that kind of important. Me. I had no fucking idea. There's all kinds of those uh situations too. Yes, there uh, is. Yeah. A lot of last names that aren't the same. And uh-huh. so you know, people that are married, but they kept their maiden name. And you go, wait a second, yeah. those people are I married? I thought it was weird, too, that Cuomo, him and his brother, one is, you know, in office in New York and the other one is on uh, the mainstream media, you know, propagating the same bullshit. And their dad was the mayor as well. Oh, see, I see. There you go. I mean, but so also, I think Bi- didn't Biden show up to California to like tell people to go vote for Gavin Newsom as yeah, well? And so did so Just did Kamala day. Harris, too. Yeah. Like that. I'll tell you what, man, if I was Gavin Newsom, I'd be like, uh, you guys, please stay in Washington, D.C. I don't need any help from you unpopular maniacs that just botched <laughs> Afghanistan so badly. Um, no, yeah, I wanted but, to get into Afghanistan too, but we can get into that later because the nine 11 whole nine 11 thing is what got us to Afghanistan in the first yeah, place, it is. you um, know, and, and we finally just got out of there. And so there's a whole bunch of stuff behind that too, but uh, we'll, we'll save that for later. Go ahead, Roman. What was 20 years before 9-11. Oh, I was going to ask that too. Oh, that's a good question. Well, um, it was the beginning of the first Afghanistan war against the Soviets. You know, that was when they, they got involved in that. That became the one of the catalysts to break up the Soviet Union. You know, it's like lighting a 10-year fuse on it where you can suck them into an unwinnable war. We, have got, of course, got pulled into one double that. Because we're, it's, you know, I guess maybe twice as hard to take us down, but it'll ultimately be part of what destroys the American empire, much in the same way it destroys the uh, the Soviet empire and empires before that. I had Scott Horton on my show and uh, to talk about Afghanistan, too. And he's, you know, and I named that episode Graveyard of Empires because that's that's the nickname for Afghanistan. It's been like that for hundreds, maybe even thousands of years. I mean, that's just a mm-hmm. it's a tough place to conquer. And we went in there because some dude in a cave was was controlling this <laughs> whole thing. OK, that story never made sense to me. I didn't I didn't understand the depths of 9-11 on 9-11. It took me a couple of years to to really have a, a better understanding of that. But I even I knew that the 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 Osama bin Laden conducting this from a, a massive cave complex in Afghanistan was total horseshit. I mean, that was a, a laughable story. But, um, you know, this is this is this is what happens when you're ruled by globalists they can use your country for variety of things and the american empire was used as 
to be put into Afghanistan to start this war on terror, which I think everyone would agree is is more appropriately named the war of terror, because what we did is we became terrorists. We, we, we blamed them for being terrorists. And then we went out and did terrorism on all of these countries for two decades while pointing the finger at them and saying, they're the reasons. Like if you guys hadn't been so brown, we wouldn't have to be here bombing you, you know, and it's just total insanity. And so, you know, I think that like, as Afghanistan winds down, once again, we have the benefit of, of almost two decades of looking back on that and, and, and seeing like, what a catastrophe, you know, that, that we, that you, you, you went in there to destroy the Taliban and on your way out, you're handing it over to the Taliban. So like, if ever there was a clear cut, like example for even the most dumbed down person to understand, it doesn't, you don't need to have a geopolitical background to understand that the first group that we went in there to destroy in the end, when we left, who was in charge, they still were. So nothing got so it's it's easy for people to see that nothing got accomplished there. Mm-hmm. Like from a strategic point, point standpoint, nothing got accomplished there. From a financial standpoint, a lot of people made a lot mm-hmm. through Afghanistan disaster uh, capital. A lot of people got what they wanted from that: pipelines and mineral rights and poppy fields and uh, gold and and. Uh, lithium and you name it. They got to sell weapons and got to drop $2 million bombs on people that live on a, on $2 a day, you know, just a blank check for that. So some people won the Afghanistan war, but it wasn't the way, you know, we would, we would, we would think about it. So it's interesting now. So now we've got, you know, we've got kind of two wars in my lifetime uh, just barely my lifetime, Vietnam and um, Afghanistan, that we spent, I don't know, in Afghanistan or in Vietnam all in, maybe from the CIA tinkering and everything, 10 years in there, 10 years there, and we lost to a bunch of farmers, 20 years in Afghanistan, and we lost to a bunch of sheep herders. Um, we keep spending a trillion dollars a year on our military. And we keep losing to farmers and sh- and shepherds. Maybe <laughs> we suck at military. <laughs> like if 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 that if the point is to win the war, and then when you dig into it, what you find out is the point isn't to win the war. Uh-huh. Like the troops' hands were tied in Vietnam; they couldn't. They had all these regulations. They couldn't shoot until someone shot at them. They they had all. I mean, and I'm not saying be a unhinged psychopath because we know the melee massacre there was was horrible, but they, they tied the hands of the troops in Vietnam so that they, they couldn't fight the war the, the right way. And they wind up, wind up losing that thing. And then you start hearing things about Afghanistan, the same thing. And you go, are we intentionally not winning these wars? You know, like it's, I think it's a reasonable question to, to spend as much money as we can. I mean, look, what did like Afghanistan, what are you, are you going to bomb them from the Bronze Age to the Stone Age, <laughs> like you could do that in a week. You know what I mean? Like they they were they're pre- like not to not to be a dick, but like that's that culturally they were very very primitive. Dude, we, okay, we can't so, win that war. So I, it, it makes me think. Well, it's not about the war. 
You know? I, I think it's um, so. And, 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 I and, ask what? You, and we and we send these guys over there to the, the to join the military, and we and they 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 we put them in an impossible situation and ask them to do horrible, unspeakable things, and then they come back and they're rightly scrambled because of the shit that they've seen or have done or have had done to them or experimented on with, you know, like, and then we treat them like garbage and we call them domestic terrorists. Like, what are we doing? It's crazy to me. And, 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 you know, I have no, I have no beef with the troops, man. I mean, they, they don't, they just want to come home. They just want to see their mother again and who could blame them, you know? And like, we keep putting these guys, you know, we have these heart wrenching situations at like a basketball halftime game where the, where they surprise the kid where their dad comes back and they don't know. And it's like this big hole. That's great. Let's stop sending the dads over to Afghanistan and Iraq so that we don't have to have these heartfelt reunions anymore. Like, like enough already, you know, and I'm talking to Scott Horton about this and, and we're both just like so frustrated about our, our constant need to be involved in like wars and it's it's just it's so unhealthy as a as a society and it it just makes me f- fucking embarrassed like to be an american because i feel i feel really bad about the stuff that our government does in our name like we have no say in this we can't control them yeah. it sucks do you think i want to ask you about um what you know about the creation or when disaster capitalism right was kind of like started in full because like you're saying, it's like, if it's, if it's about military, if it's about war, if it's about going and winning these wars and we're doing an absolute shit job and we have been forever. Um, so obviously it's not about that. It's about a, it's not about winning a war. It's about making that, that side of hand transaction. Um, and then when I heard the term disaster capitalism, I was just like, Oh, whoop, light bulb. I was like, duh. So, um, but do you, what do you know about that and like specific companies or, or, you know, I mean, I guess world leaders that are into it, are they sitting in a room, you know, like rap, the movie rat race and just watching all the shit go down as they move their little chest. Right, right, right. Like, what the fuck's going <laughs> That's a great on? movie, by the way, rat it's race. It's so good, man. I love that one. It's so good. Um, I mean, yeah, to a certain extent, yeah. Like they, they so like a, a company that doesn't exist anymore, like BCCI, Bank for Crooks and Criminals International, was the nickname for it. That's, That's a real Saudi-owned bank that the Bushes were involved in, the Bin Laden family, and all these. It, it, like drug money running through that. Yeah, man, that's disaster. I mean, that's financed with disaster capital. You know, you when you start to you start to realize that like the big money makers on this planet are guns gold kids organs drugs drugs you know and and our government runs all those trades you know and so and and what they've done which is genius and if you look back like 100 years ago there were there were you know there were several ngos now there's tens of thousands of them but what you've been able to do under the guise of ngos non-governmental organizations Mm -hmm. so-called charities that spring up these quasi corporations slash charities that have sort of amorphous structures and you, you, you they have been used as a tool to create cutouts to do the bidding of governments 
to do to get in, involved and 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 they say, well, the government's not doing it. This NGO is doing it, you know, or like United Nations or uh, world, you know, the World Bank. These these groups like that, man, that's who's running this disaster capital market. Th- mm-hmm. Those globalist okay. assholes yeah. that you that you envision lighting cigars with hundred dollar bills and all that, like that's a, that's, I mean, maybe not the hundred dollar bills part, but that's a real thing. You know, those people really exist and they, they have been, you know, multi-generational banking families, multi-generational industrialist families. I mean, they, you have influence, you have a lot of money and you have political connections, you have power and these people want to expand their power and, and they, and a lot of them will do it, do it however they can. And because of this mentality, that's why you, that's how you end up with something like the private prison industry. And I wrote about that in both of the uh, the octopus and controlled demolition because it's such a disgusting industry. You want to talk about disaster capitalism? That's that's a form of it. And, and, and the slavery component that's been normalized mm-hmm. in there, where they pay these these people sixteen cents an hour. And they've got them working in for companies that are like McDonald's and, you know, they're making uniforms for McDonald's and they're, they're stuffing uh, boxes for IBM and they're working for Walmart and Amazon, all the, and you're like, holy shit, there's like a whole new labor force that nobody knows about. That's the private prison industry prisoners that are allowed to work and, or go be a smoke jumper for a dollar a day or something like that. Fueled I mean, by the war on drugs. They've, of course, yeah, fueled by the war on drugs, <laughs> fueled by the by the war on drugs created by the omnibus crime bill that the Clintons and the Bidens worked on to put people in jail on disproportionately long drug sentences. That's the mandatory minimums and the 25 to life and the three strikes and you're out horseshit so that they will clog up and create even more demand for prisons so that they had to build the private prison industry, which is publicly traded on Wall Street, which all these mm-hmm. guys have a piece of. Oh my God. So you so lobby gross. for this legislation to create the private prison industry and the private prison contracts that they have with the states in some cases, well, in all cases, they have guaranteed minimums, but in some cases, the guaranteed minimum is 100% capacity. So if that private prison only has 50% of the people in there, they're still going to get compensated like they have 100% because the deal they have with the state, and there's, I think, four or five different states that have 100% capacities and a bunch of them that have 90%. So we're guaranteeing these companies. It's like guaranteeing like a gym. Um, to, you're, you guarantee them to have a, a certain number of members. Well, shit, they can take that information and franchise that and, and go to Wall Street and say, I need to borrow uh, $8 billion because we're go- see how it worked in this one private prison that we've got. It works so well. We've got 100% room occupancy. Think of it like a hotel, right? 100% room occupancy for the next 25 years. Great. Love that model. How many can we do? We can do 100 of them. Let's do 100 of them. Now you're making money off of incarcerating people and that's disgusting. And so this is part of like the underbelly of America that is sort of disguised as capitalism and big business and business and ingenuity mm-hmm. and all this stuff. But it's, it's, it's what you said. It's disaster capitalism. It's, and, it's disgusting. And, and, and the social engineering of the masses to think that everyone that's in a prison is um deserves to be a slave to the corporate world because they're a criminal 
because they're, they're a dirty, scummy piece of shit. And if they landed their ass in jail, they obviously deserve to work uh, their, you know, for the rest of their days for, for zero fucking pay. Um, let me ask you this. Do you think there's any possibility for a politician to actually come, like, be a good person? And by that, I mean, is the system so construed with so many tangled webs that you could even jump into any part of politics and like if you're working on uh you know the the the, uh the the agriculture in your area and you're working on the schools and you work on this but you're not working on the prison problem and you're not working on that you know there's is there a possibility of even be like how can you be a non-corrupt political person with the system that we have well i i would have i would have said there's no chance but but i've been a speaker in narcopulco on two different occasions when Ron Paul has been there as a speaker. Oh, as well. hell yeah. <laughs> and when I see 3000 anarchists give a standing ovation to an 80 year old white guy, who's a Republican who spent two decades working in Washington, DC, that guy must be doing something right. I like so Rand Paul he's, too. He, yeah. He's the only, he's the only guy that, that I've, I've seen that has that sort of uh, track record. I think it would, I think it's difficult. I think I think Ron Paul is is an anomaly. You know, I think you know, and 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 in a, a little side note, he he agreed to write the foreword to controlled demolition, but what he had his sick. medical incident two two days after he agreed to write it, and we were up against a, a deadline, and we were like, oh, we don't want to rush him. Like he's such a such an amazing guy, so we just let him know, like, hey, Doctor Paul, please like take care of yourself. Don't worry about the forward. It's it's good. That's so you read the Doug or you had the audio book from Doug Casey. We uh, we talked to Doug after that, but Ron Paul was supposed to be the uh, supposed to do that. How so, fucking awesome! So I, would so that I have love been? you know. Wow. It would have been pretty awesome. Don't, don't, I'm not going to lie. I was pretty fucking stoked. (laughs) (laughs) That's a Jeff Berwick connection. You know, I don't, I I have never met Dr. Paul. I mean, I've had dinner next to him, but I don't, I don't know him, but, but. Uh, Did you uh, have anything else, Roman, or do you want to, are you ready to get into this? Yeah. You want to play another clip? You got another one? I got, I got two more. (laughs) Um, um i uh that last clip took us i i think i want to skip to uh maybe the the final the final clip which is like it just kind of dives deep into it i think what would be the toppling of the the 9-11 situation uh that we want to get into so all right let's hear it i forget what it, i forget what i wrote so it'll be like <laughs> listening to it for the first time <laughs> isn't that amazing though let's get here real quick um no it's amazing to just like you know to have you know, with your show, with the books, with just everything, it's like there's so much you forget things that we do. Like that's that's another. Let me just get off. Sorry, side tangent. That's another reason why the human psyche is so able to be controlled and manipulated because we do so much and we have so much going on that we don't even fucking remember things in our own life that have happened, and for us to need or want or have to pay attention to anything else on the, on the ginormous, you know, cauldron of agenda that's going on is seem, it's seemingly fucking impossible. Um, and, and, you know, I don't fucking know, man. It is just so crazy, dude. Thank you for doing all your work. Charlie. I love, I fucking love your shit. though. (laughs) 
people oftentimes don't even want to think about it though they don't even want to know that you know the people that are telling them what to do are corrupt or bad they just want to go on working their job coming home spending time with their kids making dinner maybe going on a vacation or whatever and they just want to keep that type of uh ideal for themselves you know like the white picket fence shit i hate white picket fences by the way and i but, but that's I like can the understand ideal that. absolutely you know, i mean absolutely. i don't i don't res- i don't really like respect it but i can understand it yeah and, and to a certain extent i was that for for a while when i was uh, so i'm not like trying to shit on anybody but like i feel like when you know when you find when it finally clicks in your head then you you can't deny it anymore. And once that happens, then you can never unknow what you know. So like in my case, I just I just I I can't go back to the white picket fence. I know too much to I can never go back to that. <laughs> and I'm not trying to either. You know, I, I don't I don't want to. I want to I want to I want to sort of let people know as best I can, what I see. It's not to say that I'm right on everything. Don't, you know, I'm obviously I'll be wrong about plenty of stuff, but, but at least it's me just saying like, Hey, look at this. This looks weird to me, or it doesn't make sense to me, or it looks like they're lying here. What do you think? You know? And, and I think that we, I think that a lot of people, yeah, like you said, they want to kind of be asleep, but I mean, looking back on things, 10 years ago, if you wanted to be asleep, sure. You, yeah, be asleep. Fine. Whatever. But right now, like with everything that we're going through and how important this is and vaccine passports and all this shit, like right now, I'm sorry, you need to be awake. You have to be awake. This is the time to be awake. You can go back to sleep later. You'll, you never will. But, but right now, everybody, we need all hands on deck because it's just the most important thing in the world. And if we allow them to mandate like vaccine passports or mandatory vaccinations and things like this, like I I want people to recognize that it's over for us. It's over and it's that serious. And I'm not trying to be like Alex Jones, they're going to kill us, but like they're (laughs) like, they will be in a position where the only way that they will stop is if they decide to stop. Like they'll, they'll be, it'll be past the point of no return for us. Like we will succumb to this surveillance state and then it's, then good luck. You Seems know, then like it are- just requires so much more effort to break out of that. And so it's like, I just feel like right now, everybody, it, like you can't, wake up from the white picket fence thing. Like we need you to pay attention. You're going to want to pay attention to what's happening. It's just so damn important. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. You get that clip, Rhett, Roman? <laughs> sure. Shit, baby. Let's go. Exposed. Sorry. Real quick. Let me just give everybody a quick, a little, uh, Jesus. This is again, the controlled demolition of the American empire from the chapter symptoms of a dying empire. Part one the country to the potential division of the public the first big lie the official story of 9-11 that the corporate media sold to the public was a conspiracy theory to borrow an overused term of theirs 
The United States government and their lackeys in the corporate media put forth a version of the events of September 11th, 2001 that are laughable, disjointed, and totally impossible. Scientifically impossible. Criminally impossible. Physically impossible. Some might not understand what 9-11 has to do with the final collapse of the American empire, or how something that happened two decades earlier was used to lay the foundation for the destruction of the country. It was more about what came as a direct result of 9-11 in the way of federal regulations and laws that were enacted after that event happened. An understanding that the events surrounding 9-11 were actually false flag events is paramount to uncovering why it happened. The reason why 9-11 had to happen as seen through the eyes of the globalist cabal running the world, was to use the event as the pretext to unveil a control grid and reduction of personal rights that Orwell would be shocked by, while also creating the cover story to justify launching the War on Terror in order to destroy the powerful countries that challenged the project for a new American century's vision for the Middle East. The we could go on, but dear sweet lord, oh, um, yeah, that's that's how that's how I feel. It's um, you know, it's the, it's it's a combination of things. It's it's looking at, at what they did in the Middle East, but also looking at what they did at home. You know, they turned the the homeland in you know the Department of Homeland Security like that's straight Nazi Germany shit right there. <laughs> they use that term like the homeland, and they started calling you like you know like if this is the homeland, then the homeland can be a battlefield, and if you're a uh, somebody that is against the government on the battlefield, then technically you're a terrorist. And if you're a terrorist, well, then the laws don't apply to you. And now you can be disappeared without a court, without a judge, without an attorney, without rights, without access to your family. All these things can happen to you now legally if they decide that you are a domestic terrorist. And they can make that decision whenever they want. So this is why it's important. This is why 9-11, you know, understanding 9-11 is so important to understanding kind of what we're facing right now, because the, the foundation, the legal framework was put in place for the police state because of 9-11 under the guise of protecting us and going after terrorists. But little did we know that we would become the terrorists. Anybody that doesn't agree with, you know, the, the the agenda, the new world order, the plan, whatever, they just label you a terrorist through their organizations that have the authority to set those designations, and then they go round you up. And this and if you think that can't happen, well, it happens. It happened in Holman Square in Chicago. The Chicago police were doing that to pe to people, holding them in a warehouse, beating the shit out of them, torturing them for information. That was busted. I mean, that's documented. People, it's 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 now known. So we have black sites happening here in the United States being run by our own police, and that is terrifying. So so nine eleven matters for a variety of reasons, and and even if you don't care because you're never going to Iraq or at the Middle East or, or or anywhere in that region, it still matters because of what it did to our personal liberties and our, our rights and things like that, that were taken away. And, and, and so, so regardless of how you feel about nine 11, it's, it's still 
always going to be important to everybody. What What do you think the purpose of Q was or is? Because that kind of fits into the domestic terrorist aspect. If they can say, you know, if they can do all this stuff and then people join on to this or cling to this Q type of uh, mentality, then they can claim that they're all domestic terrorists and get rid of them. Yeah. That just came through my mind when you're, when you're kind of talking about that. So I was wondering if you had any more. I tell, I'll tell you, I think, um, I think had Trump gotten a second term and had that Q group still had four more years of LARPing or whatever they're doing. Yeah. They would have eventually when the Democrats take power, like as they do now, when it, when they finally had, I think eventually that, that Q group would be labeled a domestic terrorist group. I think that's, I think that would be reasonable. I don't think they have the, I don't think they have like, it, it, it was so, it was kind of a disjointed movement, you know? Um, but had it had been a little bit more cohesive, they would have definitely labeled them. Uh, a, a, I mean, they would have been infiltrated by the FBI, obviously. And, yeah. and then they would have been, like um, they weren't already. If the, yeah, I mean, they, but I think, I think the whole purpose of Q was to, you know, get a lot of people out, you know, off uh, riled up and then corralled somewhere where they in, weren't going to bother anyone. Niche. They just said, trust the plan, stand over there. W- the white hats are on it. We're going to figure it all out. You guys just, what we need you to do when we'll, we'll tell you when to activate, but just get over there and trust the plan and hang out and be cool and, and vote Republican. But it's so like, you know, so that I don't love any of that. I do like the fact that it woke people up. I mean, there's a certain segment that's like aware of government fuckery because of Q. So I guess in, in that regard, um, it's, it's fine. But I, I think that there, I think a lot of people realized that they were, they had been had, you know, by, by that, that Q movement that they fell into that and they went, Oh wait, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And it's like, well, yeah, sometimes intelligence agencies run these operations, like welcome to the party. You know, that's, that's what they do. So, so I, I I think it also made the left look at people that believe in any type of conspiracy, associate them with Trump and with the Trump presidency. And so, then they can hate all of them, you know? Oh yeah. And add anti-vax to that too. Yeah. Because anti-vax was a big thing before this started. They were starting to mandate the vaccines on children to to go to school. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're, they're uh, getting rid of anything on YouTube's also about vaccines and uh, problems with the vaccines. So they already had a plan in place that they were trying to get rid of the vaccine and keep it hush because they knew that they're going to come out with this shit and we're going to, you know, push vaccines even more. So we don't want people to know that, you know, there's all these vaccine side effects and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And and with the Q stuff, it, it, the storming of the Capitol was kind of all the end of that to push like, Oh, look at see they're domestic terrorists. They're trying yeah. to storm the castle. So here are these domestic terrorists. So every conspiracy theorist is a domestic terrorist now, and we should all be afraid of them because you know, they're destroying our, 
our liberal world. It's worse. It was worse than nine eleven, don't you know? Oh, oh yeah, I know for sure. <laughs> According yeah. to uh, hysterical reporters and pathological liars and blind people, I mean, let, it, let uh, what happened the ropes to, the, to the girl that got shot? Oh yeah, right. Mm. And they yeah, they, they yeah. repeated her getting shot over and over again on uh, the mainstream media, you know, and whatever happened with that, they don't even talk about that. It was a sacrifice of the day. No, it, it, the, yeah, the whole thing is, is 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 crazy how everything's politicized now. Like you said, so it's like they can demonize the Q people. They can they can call everyone domestic terrorists uh, because of um, because of the January sixth thing. Uh, Anti vaxxers they're now trying to tie that to to Trump, and it's like, yeah. listen, this is really stupid and disgusting. But but ultimately, for the pro vax, like let's vax everyone crowd, it's a bad strategy that what they're employing right now because they're automatically they're they're polarizing it and they're uh-huh. they're being stupid by doing that they should because because now you've got a bunch of the the trump people going i don't want i don't want anything having to do with joe mm-hmm. biden's vaccine and you know and if and there you can find all these tweets from the democrats saying i don't want anything to do with trump's vaccine you think i'm going to take that thing you're out of your mind there's no way i'll take that thing and then and then like they show a tweet from like a couple of weeks ago and they're like, everybody's got to take the vaccine. It's the safest thing ever. And you're like, you're a fucking hypocrite. Sounds so, like a slide of um, hand transaction. It's, reality it's, check. It's, it's, it's the same yep. vaccine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. it's, it's, it's just, by, it's yeah. <laughs> disaster capitalism yet again, in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's frustrating to me that, that they've, you know, they've taken science that, you could probably, you know, it's like we need some good science right about now. And they've totally politicized everything. You know, ivermectin. Oh, you can't do that because then you're Joe Rogan and you're taking horse paste. And it's like, you dumb motherfuckers. You know, they won the Nobel Health Prize. The, the guys that invented it won the Nobel Prize for health for this. It's cured so many people of river blindness. It, it's it's changed thousands of lives. It it it's, it's it, it won the Nobel Prize, and then you're going to just shit on it and say, "Oh, it's it's a bunch of conspiracy theorists that are taking horse paste." Like you do that enough as the mainstream media, and all I have to do is just sit back and just wait, just <laughs> just wait for you. Keep doing that because all you're doing is ruining your credibility. More and more and more because now even now a, another audience gets to see how fucking dishonest you are in the mainstream media to see exactly how you do these things, the, how you take things, stories that are total bullshit and make a big deal out of them and bury real stories and pretend like there's nothing there, like there's no Hunter Biden laptop. You know, the mainstream media has nobody to blame for their ratings but themselves because they're a dumpster fire because people are catching on that they are lying. All day, every day. Mm-hmm. That's what they do. Their job yeah. is propaganda. Propaganda and, machine. And so yep. it's, I, I do have a little bit of hope. You know, I, th- I feel like this COVID situation has has woken up a, a new batch of people, much like the 9-11 mm-hmm. that we've been talking about for the last hour. That generation, you know, like we're in that group of like 9-11 woke us up. Well, there's going to be a new generation and they're going to be like COVID woke us up, you know? And so great. Welcome. You know, like glad you're awake, like wake other people up too, because this is, this is one of those situations where we're going to need a lot of people aware 
And you don't even have to get them mad because as soon as they're aware of what's happening, they'll automatically be mad. So uh, just make them aware of what is actually going on with this vaccine agenda and this technocratic takeover. Uh, and, and then just let, just let the process work because you know how you were after nine 11. I know how I was, I was angry and I was motivated and I wanted to find out and I was driven to figure all this stuff out. And fuck, I wrote books about it. You know, I was so <laughs> motivated by it. And so that's going to, you know, this COVID situation is going to do that to a bunch of people too. And there's, they're going to be motivated to, to make sure that, that these assholes don't succeed with this new world order plan. And yes, it's their plan. And, and, and make sure that we don't fall into the same trap with global warming, that fucking agenda that, that, that we're seeing getting tied to COVID right now. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, like wake up to this, this too. I'm not saying we're not polluting the planet. We're absolutely polluting the planet, but we have a have a different conversation about carbon. You polluting know? Our, oh, we're polluting our fucking so minds, it, it, bro. Our, our human spirit is what well, we're, we're, we're most bodies. definitely doing that. Yeah. That is undeniable and, 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 and frustrating, but, um, but you know, look, we're, we're at, we're at an interesting time where it can go one of two ways. I mean, either we're going to figure this shit out and, and stand up collectively to these people, put our differences aside and just kind of come together as one group of, of people and say, we're not participating in this. You have no authority over us. You're not doing this. We're not. We're not participating. And I'm, we're seeing that in cities. We're seeing pockets of that. That needs to be contagious, you know. So, but if that if if we don't, and if we don't stand up for ourselves, they will take as much as we allow them to take. I mean, we know that. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just kind of an important time to be aware of this stuff. And so I'm I'm grateful that you guys have me on to to come in and talk about all this stuff. Cause it's like, it's just a reminder for, it's a reminder for me too, you know, like how important this fight is right now and mm-hmm. how important this information is. And so I've got a new book coming out called hypocrisy and, um, say that again, what it's, it's hypocrisy, but the, I've changed the last letter. So it's hypocrisy. Okay. And, um, Surviving in a world of cultural double standards is the subtitle. Oh, and, and that I just go after the woke mob. I go after the military. I go after religion. I go after COVID. I go after the government. I go after. It, it's just, and I do it in a in a fun way. Uh, you know, I'm you go, not too. You go, too you I'm go not after, too mean. Uh, well, maybe to the woke people, I'm a little mean, but they need it, dude. I I, I took these the, these woke people are are so fun to make fun of They're I mean, they're so they're such low hanging fruit. I almost feel kind of bad. I would feel bad if they weren't so serious about their mission of being re- retards. I don't know how else to describe them, but I, so I took extra special pleasure in destroying them. And I've got, 480 footnotes in there. So like all of their insanity is footnoted and documented. And like, you know, I think it's like, I brought, I brought the receipts, right? I showed their insanity. (laughs) I showed their hypocrisy. I showed their criminality. And and then I showed you exactly where you can go to find evidence of all of it. And, and so, you know, it's going to, it's going to bother, it's going to bother a segment of the left, <laughs> not all the left. You know, I think there's some people in the left that are not, you know, 
unhinged lunatics, but fuck, there is a gigantic segment that is. And those people are going to hate my guts. Anybody that <laughs> participated in Chaz or Chop, that oh, thing yeah. that was going oh, on in Seattle, they won't like me. Um, That's okay. Who cares about those fuckers? The pronoun people, they're not going to like me. Oh, I, yeah. They're, Sorry. They're, I did, hey, Charlie, I, uh, I just want to apologize right now because I didn't ask you what you wanted to be called. Um, my pronouns yeah so yeah i'm oh, sorry yeah, yeah well it, you fucking he she I mean, jerk how dare i just you? call roman fucker yeah. hey fucker shut up what <laughs> uh, rogan had a guy on who said his pronouns in his in his twitter bio were he haw yeah. <laughs> that's a good one <laughs> that, that, that could work but uh, yeah it's you know look i just call it like i see it on uh, in in this new book that's all i just i just sort of i'll make sure you guys get a copy as soon as i'm oh that's awesome the cover is being finalized right now and it'll be out in like a week or so holy shit uh, i'll make you gonna you're gonna wow you're gonna have a like a little 20 year old with a emo beanie and a little bang hanging out sitting in a corner all curled up going why doesn't everybody love me okay all right it's (laughs) there'll be a little of that (laughs) That, the okay. audio book. I'm, I get. I, I get to talk to Patrick Smith. See if he just wants to take do a the picture audiobook. of Roman. You can put that on the cover. No, okay. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> let me let me get on something real quick. Let me get on something real quick. Okay. I'm a little younger. I get it. All right. I understand. And I I I think that we're talking about social engineering to um, be able to have these groups be made so then the terrorists can live outside yeah. of that. Right. Vaccine I was side effects. Nine or ten years old when. 9-11 actually happened, right? And somehow through the shaping of my existence, I have become one of these now that people would label as a terrorist, right? Not I'll fuck you, smack you if you ask me to wear a mask. There's no fucking way I'm getting a vaccine or anything like that. But do you think that there's there they've been social socially engineering us and farming? specific people to live certain specific lifestyles like the anti-religious or the alternative or you know the the people who refuse to um, bow down to the woke political correct movements and things like that that um i i feel like they're farming us they're they're farming us and and the kids sure as shit are getting farmed now to basically say anybody who's older and doesn't understand the pronoun situation they're a trumper they're the fuck they're they're the terrorists now or you know the farming yeah they're not sensitive they don't care about how we feel and blah 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 well they're they're in for a rude awakening because they're they have a, a real flawed view of the world and uh and i think that what they're going to discover when they get out into the real world is that nobody gives a shit about mm. your feelings yep. Or what you think or yep. whatever at the workplace. I don't give a flying fuck what you think. I run a real estate brokerage. I am nice to everybody I work with. So I don't need to be overly nice to somebody or, you know, because of their pronouns. And if, and consequentially, if you have a problem and you're going to create problems for me because you are going to, you know, say I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm not referring to you by the correct pronouns. You can go work somewhere else. You're, you're at a at work state, uh, which means that you can be fired for whatever 
for whatever. <laughs> and in the, and I'm in the real estate business or you're an independent contractor. I hold your license or I don't. If you're a pain in the ass like that, guess what? I'm not going to bow down and change the way we run the business to because your feelings got hurt. And, and But also to be fair, I'm not the type of guy that's going to go out and intentionally hurt your feelings. So I'm pretty cool to everybody. So if your feelings are getting hurt and I'm pretty cool to everybody, then I see it kind of as your problem, not mine. So a lot of these pronoun people are going to go out there thinking that the world owes them something or that they can start demanding things from their employers and things. And they're just they're going to be in for a rude awakening because these employers are going to say, fuck out of here. Well, maybe not now because there's so many, there's so many jobs opening that, but, but if it's corporate, a lot of times you have, if if you're going to hire someone. Like I wouldn't hire a, I wouldn't hire, and I'm a guy that back when I had hair, had hair all every color of the rainbow, but like, (laughs) I wouldn't hire the blue haired, like prototypical liberal woman. Just like visually, I would say this looks like a problem. And that's probably (laughs) not fair to just prejudge somebody like that. But when I see someone like that, I go, I'm not going to have anything in common with that person. I feel like they live on a different oh. planet. I, I think that 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 whole generation that's buying into that that woke stuff and safe spaces and my teacher committed a microaggression against me. I mean, that's the reason why my <laughs> show is called Macroaggressions because it's it's a play on the word on the term microaggressions. Like he created, he caused a microaggression. What, what by doing what? Well, he he misgendered me. I I go by they them and 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 he called me a she and it's like who the fuck cares? <laughs> I hate to break it to you morons, but nobody gives a shit. No offense. They don't care about me either. Like we're all doing our own thing. So I, it, to me, it's just, it's like arrogance watching the woke mob act this way. I just, I just go like, nobody gives a fuck what you think. Like you, you look ridiculous on top of it. You, you look ridiculous. So we're automatically discounting anything you say right, right when it comes out of your mouth. But, but then you go on to have these ideas and, you know, like, like as an example, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, right? She is the queen of this woke movement, right? Mm. She has brought forth 27 different bits of legislation to Congress. Zero have passed. The reason why is because her ideas are stupid. And it's just that simple. So like this woke movement, they're embarrassing themselves. You know, like their ideas aren't going to work, not because there's some big agenda against them. It's your ideas aren't going to work because your ideas are stupid. They're just stupid. And, and completely unrealistic. Oh, we're going to have socialism. And she wrote the bill that the Green New Deal is 700 billion or trillion dollar, whatever. And, and she put in there, you know, for a uh, uh, payment for those people that, that work or choose not to work. And it's like, I'll choose not to, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> this is stupid. And they're re- Oh, it didn't pass. Really? You know why it didn't pass? Cause the idea was dumb. So, so we've got this whole generation that I'm sorry. It's like their ideas are stupid. I, 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 they're yeah. what they want, what they value to me, I look at is really stupid. 
like pronouning and misgendering and all. I, I just don't see this as a big deal. I just don't relate to these people at on any level. And, and I'm not like some old guy. I'm 49, you know, like, I'm not like, like that old, like, no, no, I know, you know, I understand what's going on. I'm not like a, an old fogey or anything. And, and I'm all for new ideas. And I hope that the younger generation that's really like comfortable with computers makes amazing leaps and everything. And so I'm not shitting on them for that. I'm just saying that that woke part of it, boy, I think, man, I think your it, uh, ideas are just dumb. I think it has to do with just uh, kids nowadays. They, they always have their face in a phone and they're yeah. making avatars of themselves and they can, uh, <laughs> have anonymity online and do what they want kind of thing. And it, it makes them not be able to, uh, actually have, uh, be socially aware and be able to exist in that type of environment because the type of environment they're existing in is a screen one, whether it be on a computer or a phone or a television. And I I think you could see that up through like the eighties and nineties too. the, the kids that were in that era too also had the same type of thing, but the fascination with video games. And that's why you see the same type of thing going on with the video games that you do now is because it progressed from what it used to be. Our, my parents used to yell at me and tell me to go outside and shit too, and go play me because too. I'd, I'd play video games too much. Me it, too. It, it's more of the same thing. So they, I think they lose some of that, uh, emotion, emotionalness, if that's a word, I'm making yeah. up words like Roman, but they lose, <laughs> they lose that emotional connection because they don't, uh, they don't have that interaction anymore. And so for them, COVID and staying at home probably isn't really a big deal because they're probably going to do that anyway. So they're, they're not really, they maybe get angry about not going to the movies, but they just had like a huge long summer where they didn't go to school for like a year yeah. and a half. It's almost so, yeah. like it's tailored uh, towards the youth, you know, um, this the, to get them mm-hmm. ready for their future of wh- how much overreaching is happening yeah. on their end. And that's that farming I'm talking about. It's it's slowly curating the farm yeah. as they kill off the older generation. They mm-hmm. make the middle aged older people be yeah. terrorists and they don't get it. They're the new boomers. Basically, they're fucking crazy if they don't understand yeah. my pronouns and want to play my video games and make my avatar and understand why I want to be on social media fucking constantly. It's like, Jesus, goddamn Christ, kid, get your fucking head out of your ass and get your ass to work, motherfucker. Goddamn. <laughs> yeah. What would be, man? That's Roman's avatar. 70s Roman. <laughs> God damn. I got the Kangle on too, baby. <laughs> you got Kangles? Kangles. Come on. Uh well, let's let's get on to like more detail about the 9-11 uh okay. situation. Absolutely. Yes. So, so. We've been talking around it and about it, but we haven't like kind of broken it down. So let's let's get into the two towers and building seven. And and before we get into that. Uh, I want to say, like, listening uh, to Tinfoil Hat, I kept on hearing Tripoli say, Building 6, dude? Have you heard of Building 6? Yeah. And I was like, what? I don't know about Building 6. What the fuck is Building 6? Was there a Building 6? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in the basement of Building 6 was where the Federal Reserve of New York stores all their gold. 
and uh, that 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 vault was hollowed out, man. But they found a dump truck that got stuck on like a beam, couldn't get over it, and that dump truck was loaded up with gold bars, trying oh. to take that shit out. So there was a robbery happening at the basement of the World Trade Center as well on that morning. Oh shit! Yeah, no shit. That is some it's Ocean's nine eleven shit, man. For sure. For sure. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm saying that like, you can talk about different components of nine 11 and, and like do a, you know, a two hour podcast on, on, on a part of nine 11 that people are like, well, I didn't even know anything about that, you know? Um, and like all the, you know, there was, but it didn't fall down though. What's that? It didn't fall down. Well, it, it was destroyed. It was destroyed, but it didn't fall down, but it was, it had to be brought down later. Yeah. Oh, all wait. of them did. All the seven buildings in that ta- in that complex were, were all seven taken down. Yeah, every, all seven of them got that, destroyed. Every building in that area, obviously, was was destroyed after that. But but six stood for a while, but it was totally damaged. Oh, so what just was the order just the of towers numbers? and building seven were the ones that uh, fell on that on nine yeah. eleven. Yeah. Yeah, but the yeah, other but ones were, fell later because of they were all yeah, but they were all damaged and they were all gotcha. you know involved in this crime. But <sighs> but building seven, you know, building seven's the one. That's the one that um that that's the smoking gun of nine eleven. You know, that's the one that nobody mm-hmm. ha- has has any solid answers for. I mean, we we know what happened. I mean, we know it was a controlled uh, demolition. We know that they admitted to it. I mean, that's not a debate. Me, now NIST says something different. Yeah. Architects and engineers for nine 11 truth, uh, spent four years with the university of Alaska Fairbanks and they did a study, a computer model showing that NIST version was an impossibility and that the only way that it was brought down was through controlled demolition of and, all the support beams being cut simultaneously in a synchronized fashion. So it was proven. That's what it is. So I remember seeing the towers fall that morning. And when I saw them fall down like that, the first thing I thought of was that that's a controlled demolition because there, there's no way that it could completely implode in on itself. It didn't topple over one side or like half the top tower didn't fall over it all completely imploded down and you heard people talking about the explosions that they kept hearing. And you can see like in loose change, it showed you where the smoke was popping out the windows as you'd hear the blast. It'd be a, and you could see the, the debris coming out the window and it all fell down exactly like that. It's like, how the fuck did terrorists do that? Right. That's so that's the, that's why building seven is the important part. So it came down at 525 on the afternoon of September 11th. So it was brought down later that day, eight hours afterwards. Mm-hmm. It was a controlled demolition period. That's what it was. If it was wired for destruction and it was cause it was a controlled demolition, then all the buildings were. Mm-hmm. And so what you saw was a controlled demolition of World Trade Center 1 and 2. You can watch the same thing. You can watch squibs blowing out the side, lateral ejections of materials 10 stories below each of them. 
that's a classic controlled demolition. Mm-hmm. So, so, okay, let's just give you the terrorists in the, in the, in the planes. All right. Let's just yeah. give you that ridiculous story. Explain the explosion, explain building seven then. Oh, uh, it, debris from the two towers fell on top of it and it caught fire and then it imploded on itself. That seems yeah. pretty self-explanatory. Yep. Yep. I mean, and, and you talked about losing. It happens all you, the time. Right. It happens all the time. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it, it just defies the laws of physics on that one day is the one day that the official story defies the laws of physics. So, but, so do aliens. I mean, listen, if they said <laughs> aliens did it, it would be more believable than Whoa, the official story. What if they did? Well, you think about you the, occultic, the occultic Satanistic Whoa. agenda that went into it. It definitely probably was ran by some higher dimensional beings of some sort, giving some sort of, you know, predictionary situation. There's a lot of, I think there was a lot of psychic energy focused on that, on that uh, area of the planet. Yeah, for sure. Um, that to me was that woke. That's what woke me up was Building Seven, and it's and it was it was crazy to me that like I put out the Octopus book. I'm uh, right. I'm in. The, I'm in the process of writing Controlled Demolition. I go to this wedding in Washington, uh, uh, the state of Washington, not Washington D.C. And and I don't know anybody at the wedding, but I'm going to go and because I know the bride and groom, and and my wife can't go, so I go by myself. And I go to this wedding and it's great. And I get seated for dinner randomly next to some stranger that I don't know. I get seated next to Richard Gage, the head of architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth. And I went, holy shit, you are in my book. And he's like, wow, great. I said, no, 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 you are in a chapter. The chapter is called Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth. I wrote several pages just about you and your organization. And so I sat with him for a couple of hours and just talked and we just talked about the the people that he, you know, the, or his organization, what they'd been doing, you know, who he's talked to the, the, this, the stories that he's heard. I mean, people can come up and they can say that they're going to debunk nine 11 and they're going to say that not building seven was office fires and everything. And they can say whatever they want, but Everybody that looks at that video knows exactly what happened, whether they want to understand it or not. And building seven has, is, is, I mean, that's the, that's the cover of this book is building seven wrapped in an American flags. Because, Mm -hmm. because if you understand this day and that building, then you understand what we're living through. You understand that none of this is real. None of this is as it is meant to be, as as, as we're we're told it is. And um, what was the name of the guy that uh, got stuck in Building Seven and and his account of it? Oh yeah, um, um, damn! Why can't I remember his name? <laughs> um, I I I have I have uh, I was just talking to Burmis about him too. Well, his, in his in his account. He was coming down, Barry Jennings is his name. Uh, okay. He was coming down the stairs from the eighth floor down to the seventh floor and the staircase blew up and blew him back up where he was hanging from the, the railing, had to pull himself up. So they got to the eighth floor. They couldn't get down because the stairwell had blown up. This is the af- This is like the midday of, of, of 9-11. 
you know, so he has to wait for the fire department to rescue him. They break through a window, or a, a big window, and they're able to get the fire department to rescue them at like it later that, you know, a couple hours later. And then the whole thing came down. So like the, the it, and, and he said, when I, when we were, when we were getting down, taken down by the fire department, I was stepping over, bo- I was stepping over bodies. So like there's an explosion that happened in world trade center seven before hours before the whole thing went down. So mm. there's that, you know, and, and Barry Jennings, you know, of course, turned up dead. Huh? So, I mean, you know, that happens too. A lot of people that start asking questions, Beverly Eckert, she goes to Obama and says, you know, she's the one holdout. She, or, or she's one of the holdouts that won't take the government's money. Their, their million dollar payout for nine 11 victims. And she's suing the government. She's making a bunch of noise. And she goes to visit Obama in Washington, DC personally to lobby him to get involved in this. And she blows up in a plane crash in the next week. Wow. You know, I mean, this is real. This is what happens. So 9-11 is super important. Understanding that and understanding Building 7 is really important. It's like the Rosetta Stone to understanding like what is happening in this world. Like they're creating the pretext to start these wars. It's not 19 Arabs with high, uh, with box cutters hijacking airplanes. It's just not. It's just not. They want you to hate the Arab world so that you can so that they have the blank check to go destroy the Arab world. Mm-hmm. It's not the Arabs that did it. All this trick in the book. They make one group of people look like savages that have no compassion or feelings, and then it makes it okay to go destroy them. It's the first thing you do before you commit genocide is you dehumanize the people. You get mm-hmm. you, your people to look at them as something other, of mm-hmm. something of insects or, or whatever. And we see that happening. We see it happening to the Palestinians. They're talk, talked about as insects. That's the pretext to genocide. So mm-hmm. we have to be very careful. They're already starting to label in my new book at the, towards the end, I talk about, so I get a little, a little bit serious about where we are. And like, we're, we're in this, this chart towards genocide mm-hmm. like we're at like 0.7 out of 10 mm-hmm. before they start really like taking people out they're following this step by step it's alarming it's something people should probably be aware of so that we don't uh, continue to allow these people to push us towards this this plan that they want which is a a, a, a an, an inhuman plan for, your- for us and so mm-hmm. it's What's your imagination just, of a genocide look like, sucks. sir? What is your your Charlie Robinson's imagination Jesus. of if this plans were to go through? Like what what that what that would actually entail? Um, just your imagination. Self imposed genocide. It would be mm. the genocide of the vaccine. Mm-hmm. The per- perfect cover. You just have to turn it on. The perfect genocide. You could blame a virus, an invisible virus that. We can't control that. Or maybe the Chinese released it. Let's go get them, right? We can mm-hmm. demonize. Or maybe Russia. Maybe Russia did it. Certainly oh. not the, you know, not the actual um, people. Elon Elon Musk said that the mRNA uh is like a computer chip in your bloodstream. And yeah. He said uh, I, they could turn you into a fucking butterfly if they wanted to. Yeah, I had Dr. Robert Malone on Union of the Unwanted. He's the inventor of the mRNA technology. He's fucking <sighs> terrified. 
you turn it on, but you can't turn it off. Do you speculate what could possibly happen with uh, with the vaccine if they turned it on? Like, what what would it do? Create us all into zombies of some sort, or uh, I mean, fuck? I mean, I think a case can be made that the segment of the population already is. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah. They they describe it that the mRNA technology is an operating system. Yeah. So just think about your computer. If you want to upload a virus to it, wipe out the software. Or wipe out the hardware. Yeah. You could probably you, uh, through uh, a virus in this operating get. system run by the Bill Gates, by the Microsoft guy with all the viruses. <clears throat> Do you understand where this could you go? Could I mean, this could go. They could just turn you too. off like that. You could probably filter it by age and gender and everything else that you want to. Yeah. Get hacked real easy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what about. Uh, the Pentagon. Sorry to scare the shit out of everybody. I mean, I mean, <laughs> no, we're breaking the bail. Uh, what about the the Pentagon? Because the Pentagon also got hit by something. Maybe don't know. Uh, but we know there's Dark video button. cameras. I mean, there's got to be tons of fucking video cameras around the Pentagon, right? There's got to be a huge security thing there where they have to be watching it at all times. I'm sure from every fucking angle. So how is it that there's only one video across the street from some fucking gas station and then it only has a little blip and then all of a sudden an explosion? What's what's missing there? Do you think a plane actually went down there or what do you think could have possibly happened? Because they didn't really find any plane parts. I think they did, but it was like a like weird, weird things. I, I think it got hit by a missile. Personally, um, I don't think I got hit by a plane. It there might have been a bomb in there too. I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I think I'm not sure. I'm, I just know, and that's the thing about 9 11 is yeah. like you're allowed to not know. You're allowed yeah. to say, I don't know how all of this works, you know. And 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 you can say, I do know this, and I do know this, and I can speculate about what could happen, and that's fine to do. I mean, as long as you sort of like say, like as long as you delineate like where you're going like this, Hey, I'm going to speculate and say it could be this, but like the Pentagon, I, I, you know, Ryan Dawson is of the opinion that there was an airplane there. I say there wasn't an airplane there. And, and, you know, Rumsfeld's out there walking around, picking up parts and everything. What's going on. This is weird. That shouldn't be happening. Uh, it hit right in the, the budget, you know, the office where the budget guys were all getting together. They were told to bring all your evidence of all this, all this criminality and meet in this office. And that's Mm -hmm. the exact spot that happened to just blow up and kill all these people and all the documents. I mean, that's really fucking suspicious, obviously Uh, 84 out of the 85 uh, video camera footage uh, was confiscated by the FBI immediately because nothing to see here. So yeah, there's a lot of fuckery going on with, with Pentagon, you know, the idea that there's, this was a plane that did a 270 degree corkscrew turn in order to, to fly right into to the Pentagon. I just think that's unrealistic. You know, I mean, I think we've had pilots that have gone on the record and say, I can't make that move. You know, there's nowhere, no way that Hani Hanjur, uh, with his, dozens of hours of Cessna rating that that he's going to be 
impossibility. You have other people like Field McConnell who, who saying that it's 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 physically impossible to get the to get it turned that far because the the plane won't let you. We, so you you know so he's saying it has to be con- remotely controlled by the Boeing uninterruptible autopilot, there which would have been installed in all those planes. It was fully available. Uh, in all those planes, except for Lufthansa planes at the time. So they're all essentially drones. And, and uh, so, yeah, also, yeah, we know yeah. that there's drones now. We always know that the military is 50 to 100 years ahead of us in technology and releasing it. So that means in 2001, they obviously easily had the technology that they do now in the military as the drones that they're letting us see. Um, and didn't some... the there wasn't there a couple drones that just happened in Afghanistan? They have that predator, the predator, and uh, another one. I can't remember the name of it. Um, Reaper, the Reaper, yeah, Predator and Reaper. Uh, and they fly those Predator and Reaper drones out of Creech Air Force Base, right outside of Las Vegas. So it's so they mm. don't even fly them in the region. They fly them from halfway around the world. I you sold the house to a guy that was one of the uh, technicians that worked on the on the machines on the wow. on the on the the simulator well they're like they're not simulators they're the actual thing but he worked on that i mean for lack of better terms the simulator that the pilots would use to fly and you know and that's like a video game you know it turns so, that into a video game i mean it makes if, it like unreal if uh they just flew a drone into it and it wasn't a plane what happened to the plane or the people good question there's no there's no really speculation well i mean like with regard to shanksville in my octopus book i've got like 10 quotes in a row from the coroner an fbi guy a cop a firefighter an emt a news reporter all of these people saying the exact same thing i don't know what to tell you there's no bodies there there's no bodies. There's no plane. There's no, there's, no, there's lots of paper and fiberglass like material, but there's no luggage. There's no chair seats. There's no metal. They, they said, it looks like someone dug a huge hole and dumped a bunch of garbage in there. And they all said the same thing. So what's that? What's that's, Shanksville? Then? That's a weird thing about the towers too, is you saw a lot of like paper, like floating, and like coming down from from the sky from the towers when they blew up, you just saw paper everywhere. Just woo, yeah. Woo. It's like how did that not just incinerate? If if it if it was hot enough to burn down steel beams, shouldn't the paper be gone too? Shouldn't it? Well, be according passed? to CNN, the hijacker's passport was found blocks from the crime scene. If you can believe that. Oh my god! By by an FBI agent who happened to just magically yeah. step in the right spot at the right yeah. time. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the official, that's part of the official story of nine 11 and they have the audacity to call us conspiracy theorists. How dare you? I, I mean, if it made sense, we wouldn't have to insinuate that there's a conspiracy I wish it made sense, on. you know, because I wish I, I could just say, Oh, the, I don't know for sure, but 19 Arab hijackers, plausible. Yeah, real. real I, it'd be a whole lot easier on my brain if I could do that. But that's that story is horse shit. Horse yeah. shit. <laughs> and and the, the real story is much darker. 
you know and yeah. so and 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 the fact that it is not who you think it is that committed the the act it's like dun 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 like the whole movie changes then right now you're like oh shit the guy i thought was the bad guy the whole time now that now we're in the third act and now we realize that the good guys are actually the bad guys and it's like yeah exactly <laughs> that's where we are third right. act man fuck no no yeah, i want my money back bro <laughs> Dear God, um, real quick. This movie sucks. Uh, this movie's fucking terrible. Uh, and why the fuck am I not? It'd be better with aliens. <laughs> um, and so uh, I refute. I refute. Uh, in the book, the controlled demolition of the American Empire, um, in specifically chapter one, you guys um, go into talk about. Uh, you know, just this type of blackmail that happens, right? The type of blackmail that happens to other countries if they don't deem this new agenda that is going to come upon the world at some point. And there's, you know, talk that the 9-11 was a basically like, oh, you don't want to give up all of your power? Well, we're going to create this, you know, the situation that happened. And, and that was one of the... Um, one of those like modus operandi of some blackmail to happen to fully shift over power of the new America. What, what is that? Is that a correct takeaway um, of that? Is that, is that any truth to that? That they were blackmailed into doing nine 11. Yes. Um, no, I don't think so. I think that they were, I mean, look, I mean, I think that there were, I think there was definitely a segment that, that knew we probably need to not tell anyone about this. Mm -hmm. Like we, it, for our own safety, we probably shouldn't talk about this, but I think that the people that did that pulled it off, that planned it, wanted it to happen the way that it happened. They wanted it at, for the, as the pretext to start these un, never ending wars to remake the Middle East in their own image, to demonize a, a whole region, you know, a group to, to protect our allies in Saudi Arabia and Israel, to create the, you know, the military. And there are a lot of, a lot of people got what they wanted with 9-11, um, except the, you know, except our soldiers and, and their, their soldiers and a whole lot of civilians. But, um, you know, these guys... I think that I think that there's probably a, a, a segment that had to sort of you know go along to get along and be a part of this this new world order plan. But uh, the people that were really running it, the neocons and and the, them, they live for this shit. Well, let's talk about who they accused too: Osama bin Laden, yeah, and his connections with the Bushes. <laughs> I mean. It's it's cartoonish the connections that he, it, you know, the Bush family is is it they're really a reprehensible family. They were having their family is friends with the Hinckley family who shot Reagan, like one of the Bushes was Neil Bush was supposed to have dinner with one of the Hinckleys like the night after the shooting, and obviously that got canceled, but. You know, so they're family friends. Uh, on the morning of September 11th, 2001, in Washington, D.C., George H.W. Bush was in a meeting on behalf of the Carlyle Group with the Bin Laden family. 
I mean, think of the mathematical impossibility of that happening, right? That mm-hmm. that the dad, uh, like the family of the American president is having a business meeting with the family of the terrorist ringleader of it all. What a fucking coincidence, right? No, it's not a coincidence. These people know each other. They've worked with each other. They're business partners. This is what it, this is the point of of like waking people up to 9/11. You think the Bushes and the Bin Ladens hate each other? They're business partners. Like when you understand that, it it you you start to go, "Oh, so maybe maybe not the Tim Osman guy, Osama Bin Laden's CIA name, Tim Osman. He was a CIA asset. I mean, this whole thing is a setup. It's pro wrestling. You know, it's pro wrestling here. Back to the and, NWO. And, 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 you know, and we've got the, we've got the big bad guy in, in the, 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 the guy who lives in the cave in Afghanistan. And then we've got the good guy, uncle Sam, who's coming to the rescue. And, you know, it's just, it's horseshit. I always thought the it bin was. The Bin Laden family in, in it, the Bin Ladens had worked with the CIA since the eight, since at least the the late seventies, uh, and and the arrangement that that Osama bin Laden had working with uh, the Americans in the eighties to repel the Soviets out of Afghanistan is well documented. That's not conspiracy theory; it's conspiracy fact. He was a CIA asset. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, he went rogue and committed this atrocity against the United States, or. Do you think it makes a little bit more sense that maybe they came to an agreement that they were going to pin it on him? He was going to be the boogeyman. We were going to direct all of our anger at him. We were going to launch all these wars. And in the process, we were going to take out all of Saudi Arabia's enemies. We were going to take out all of Israel's enemies. We were going to put trillions of dollars in the banks, uh, in the Cayman Islands bank accounts of these politicians and military industrial creeps and think tank guys and all of this. We're going to take print all this money from the Fed. We're going to give it to all our buddies and we're all going to be super rich. Just shut up and don't give away the plan. That's it. Mm. That's 9-11 in a nutshell. <laughs> Beautiful. In a nutshell. Um, yeah, I always thought it was weird too that Barack Obama became president right after that because his name, even people I'm call Obama. him Osama <laughs> because his name sounded so similar to it you know you would think that people would be like we're not going to elect some president that sounds like osama bin laden <laughs> i always thought that was weird um i mean but- you, you do get you do get the feeling that sometimes they they are just fucking with us a little bit oh right? my god he's yeah, i mean because like, it's, it's not his real name anyways you know because it's barry soros uh, right so also, did Bin Laden like get some medical uh, surgery or something in America? Yeah. Like a in the United Arab Emirates in, in an American hospital there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's he was one of our guys. He's he's he was one of our our assets. You know. And didn't Al Qaeda later get started from? Wasn't that like a CIA CIA operative also? Well, Al Qaeda. The translation of Al Qaeda is the base, and oh. it refers to the database of freedom fighter of the jihadis that the CIA had that you can go to the database and see like assemble your own fantasy football team of like oh. jihadis. You could just say, Oh, well this is, and that's why Putin said, Oh, I've got that list too. And I know how much they all get paid. 
you know, because oh. there it's known. That's the, that's the, that's Al Qaeda. That's the base. That's the database. That's who you go to. If you want to build your own army of boogeymen that you can then use as the pretext to do all of these things against them. The genius business hmm. plan. Um, in the sense it's of fucking devious, man. These people are crazy. Yeah. Wow. It's, 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 <laughs> Profiting off of the misery of others, it's just disgusting, man. And 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 it and it's been normalized, and as as this like, it's just like American uh, America just goes and acts as the police force. And why? Who says? You know why? We're, that's not our 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 job to do that. Of course, we know it. There's much bigger powers at play that make those decisions. But that's that's you know that's what we've become, and it sucks. Do you? Um- do you think that uh, the, the so the C, the CIA right okay is an NGO or not an NGO technically? Uh, CINGO. I think they're. I, you know what? I've heard that they're not a government agency. Technically, mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not positive. I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if they had some sort of weird designation that made them like a religion or something. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like they yeah. put them in a uh. position where they can, like made them like a city state, like Washington D.C. and the City of London and the Vatican. You know, like the CIA is its own little, like the like the Federal Reserve. You know how it's like yeah. it's private, and they and like the government can't tell it what to do. Do you think that America? has been turned into or was always a test tube country from uh, just stemming off of the bad guys, which are, uh, you know, Britain or England. And we had, they had to make a a, a fake new uh, son or or, or an implementation of someone who could be the kind of like the pretty one to go in there and be like, Oh, Hey, Hey, we're all good. Well, if we were, their experiment has gotten out of hand. <laughs> We've turned into a monster, you know. <laughs> um, but I don't think that I don't I don't think that that's probably that troubling to you know, I would look, I know that the crown still has has influence. They like mm-hmm. to pretend like that the queen and that whole apparatus is is just a sort of <laughs> for show. But I think that there's a lot of power there because the city of London and the banks are there. And, and although the, that's kind of its own little city state, um, the queen has, has, has involvement in it to an extent, but, but that's a G that's an important place to, to have control of, you know, to have control of the money. So the, the idea that maybe the, the British, you know, sort of seeded us as a experiment, it's, um, I mean, we saw, we know they did with Australia. Yeah, we know that. Yeah. We know that, and and that's turned into a dystopian hellscape. Um, and and so if they did, I mean, and and they did sort of seed us to a certain extent. But I think that there's, I think that there's just always been banking control over this country, on some level, you know. And and if that's British control or or Zionist control or whatever, it's just it's we're so controlled by the the banking apparatus so you know america is has has been captured in a sense in, in through the through the banking arrangements that we have you know we've been taken over by the banks to answer like your question by them to answer your question roman i think that um our founding fathers were all they're all freemasons 
the reason why they uh, came to America was to escape England. And I think it was because they were um, Protestants and they were trying to really push on religion. And that's why in the Constitution, there's a freedom of religion because they didn't want to be oppressed by that belief system either because the Catholic Church was going around making everybody conform to this belief system. Otherwise, they would be destroyed. So they hid their beliefs within Freemasonry and came to the new world to set up a new um, a new plan, a new world order, I guess you could say, in a way. And and But I don't think that it was always supposed to be the new world order that you see. I think it got corrupted later on. And... Uh, and and through the process of time but the original idea was to break away from this uh roman catholic rule well so that's it's, just it's, my take it's, it's, it's interesting and charlie brought up you know australia because both america and australia were inhabited by indigenous people and in order to get those large continents or large pieces of land with in uh, to uh balance the scales of brown to white basically they need to send troops over there and so to america came the anarchist right oh fuck fuck the blue you know fuck fuck the church um we're gonna go create this over here and then australia it's the prisoners that go and they're the they're the running wild over there the prisoners to to overtake and then lo and behold years later down down the road there were some of the most like you know controlled countries controlled uh socially engineered uh countries and and this and this whole agenda i think australia for sure is the test tube country but i don't know about america as much i fucking that's australia I, is <laughs> australia is an example of what happens when you allow your government to pull a false flag operation to demonize gun owners and take away your guns that now they're just about defenseless right. against this tyrannical government. So that goes it's been in fine for a while, but at some point, whenever they just decide to turn the switch and go full authoritarian, then you've got no defense. And I never was like a super gun guy or anything like that, but I recognize the importance of, of being armed just by watching what's going on in Australia, you know? And, and that kind of goes into what I was talking about with England and uh, the Freemasons is because if if it was seated by them to be a continuation, they wouldn't have allowed us to have the freedoms to carry weapons or to believe in something different. They would have just forced us to believe what they wanted us to believe and not allowed us to have weapons so they could easily control us, but they didn't. So that's why I, I don't think that we were seated as a test tube country I think we were a breakaway civilization from England that came here, but has since been infiltrated. Captured. We've yeah. been captured. So there's a great uh, documentary called uh, the spider's web. And it's about the British banking colonies. It's about how Britain gave up its overt empire and went to more of a covert empire of banking control. And how they used all of their offshore jurisdictions to funnel large amounts of money and and set up shell companies to hide drug money and launder. You know, mm -hmm. they're just laundering trillions of dollars through these offshore banking uh, 
uh, operations that are you know so murky that you can't tell what's what's really happening there and so they talk about how it it, it is it looks as if the british want it like when they decided that their reign of overt controllers was sort of done being colonizers <clears throat> they moved into a, a a more back you know sort of like took a, a different approach moved to the back of the room and kept their controls on the banking and sort of ran it from the shadows and that of course we 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 see banking control you know obviously it 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 plays a it plays a part in in our lives so it's uh it's it's very devious and then you hear stats like the queen owns or, or has control of one sixth of the land mass on this planet and things like that i don't know if that's i don't know if you can actually prove that but that's a stat i've heard been hearing for a long long time so like okay and what's that, really going on who's got the money here <laughs> that's uh, how they own america through the banking system because right. once they implemented that they were able to control us with the money yeah. but they didn't initially have that control until later <laughs> and that's how they control us now and they control all these other places with the money the banking but at the, system. At the point so, of America's creation was what was the current, you know, trade system. Banking had already been implemented at that point, right? Had it not? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Banking had been going on for a long, long time. But um, so, how are we know, expecting I mean, to get our flow? Of you know, if we break away from the most powerful and rich banks, and then we say "fuck you," and then hey, but also later down the line, do we just expect to not do business with them any anymore? Um, you know what I mean? Like it's, it seems like such a, like, uh, I don't know. I have such a hard time believing that, it, that, that it's not all been a facade from the get go, but I'm going to go with you guys because y'all, you know, yeah, I'm going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to leave it at that, <laughs> you know, because eh, fuck man. Like I just, you know, I'm just deeply conspiratorial where it's like, no, even from the beginning, absolutely not. Well, listen, we know our history books are all just completely filled with lies. So it's really hard to make sense of anything. You know, you think, you know, like, you know, you're like celebrating Thanksgiving. I mean, this is when we had lunch with the pilgrims and everything. And you're like, what the fuck kind of version of history are we teaching people? Like, this is totally different. And, oh, Christopher Columbus discovered the new land. And before that, there's nobody here, except for the millions and millions of Indians that were here that had been here for 100,000 years. Yeah. Besides them, we discovered this brand new land. So like even our, like that's, you should be, become a conspiracy theorist just from learning us history, right? Like yes. when you're yes. in the seventh grade, you should be going, this story is bullshit. <laughs> you know, like this story doesn't make any sense. And, and mm-hmm. maybe that's, maybe that's what happened. Maybe all of us have that in common that the, when we were back in history class, we were like, Hey man, this discovering of America sounds totally made up to me. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> let's finish up with like what do we do to stop it? What do we do to combat it? What do what is the positive outtake? Like what do we do to help ourselves so stay out of these situations? I mean, I think that I think like I think the the, the most obvious thing is is awareness. Mm-hmm. Just we, first step is just trying to like get people to be aware of what's happening. Once you're aware of it and you go through that process of like frustration and, and anger and all of that, 
then you got to come out of it. You Then you have a decision to make. It's like, how are you going, what is your role going to be in changing this? Now, in my case, I didn't know that, uh, I didn't know I was going to write a book about any of this stuff until like a simple conversation with my mom one day. And she said, you've got all this great information. What are you going to do with it? And I was like, fuck, I don't know. I didn't know. I didn't know I had to do anything. So like in my case, I decided I would write a book and that turned into more books and then a podcast. But um, I think for, for some people, what it's going to be is it's going to be, how do I, sh- okay, you can remove your attention from these overt uh, authoritarian uh, dictates. You can say, I'm not participating. You can remember that you have the option to not comply with unjust orders. You can vote with your dollars. You can say, I'm not going to shop there. You're, you're yes. making mask mandates or vaccine Money. mandates. Fuck you. I'm never going to go in there. I'm going to tell everybody I know not to go in there. We will we will punish you with our dollars and our attention, you know? So, so, you know, find, remember that you have power. Remember that collectively there's more of us than there are of them. And if we stand up together, then, then we have, we have all this power. And if we decide this thing ends collectively, it ends. So, so that's important to, to remember, but, but the media's job is to, is to convince us that that's not true to convince us that it's already been predecided and that it, we're, we're going to walk into this uh, fourth industrial revolution, new, new world order, uh, world economic forum, dystopian nightmare that they have planned for us. And the truth is we don't have to, but, but we have to kind of come to that understanding that we're not going to allow ourselves to do that and then act as if, you know, then you have to just be defiant. You have to be a pain in the ass. You have to go to the school board meet, board meetings when they're trying to talking about implementing critical race theory and stuff like that and vaccine passports. You go there and you say, "We're not doing this, absolutely not," and you make yourself known. So, so we have, you know, we have the opportunity to uh, to do. Not everybody has to be like an activist. You know, I went to some activism thing for the first time ever this summer because my friend Steve Poikinen invited me to go meet. Julian Assange's dad and brother. And, and so I did and, and got a chance to talk to them for a while about what's going on. And so now I see like the power of getting your ass out and doing something about it. So, um, it's, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's time. It's time for everyone to be aware of what's happening and to, and to make some decisions about what you're willing to tolerate where your line in the sand is, you know, if it's mandatory vaccinations for you to have a job, like, I'm sorry, that has got to be the line in the sand. It just has to be like, we can't allow that shit or we are going to be in some weird hunger game society. And we just can't fucking allow that. It's, it's mm-hmm. that important. So, so that's, that's what I think. So that, that, that if we, okay, we will wrap on that then, because like you said, that that's, you know, what can people do? People can, people can, make a decision that they, that, you know, they can start to think about this stuff really and seriously. Yeah. And they can, they can say, that's my line in the sand is this. If I think, they tell uh, us to do this, it, it's fucking on. I think whatever aware- that means to you, that might mean yes. activism. That might mean voting yes. with your dollars. That might mean screaming at people online, whatever, whatever your thing is, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not here to judge. Don't do uh, anything stupid or illegal. I think uh, and don't allow yourself to get set up and walk into some stupid FBI trap because you're pissed yeah. about, I think being aware, be reasonable. I think um, being aware of the things that they do and understanding what is actually happening and not being uh, just blind to it 
is is really the first step and and you know not letting the magic affect you you know and then the second i i think too is is the money like you said like put your money where your mouth is you know if you if you don't agree with amazon or you don't agree with these big businesses stop feeding them because yep. what you're doing is you're feeding them your money and it's conti- it's allowing them to continue so what we need to do is we need to try to build up our own small businesses our own small communities um and plant you know trees that grow fruit and plant plants that grow uh vegetables and everything else and have our own communities where we can exist without the help of the government and you know live without them not necessarily live remotely in some weird fucking place in the middle of nowhere so you don't have to deal with anything but actually bring back the community like we used to have in the 80s where mm-hmm. we talked to our neighbors and we uh you know our kids played together and shit instead of the communities that we have now where you know you don't even know who the fuck your neighbor is um yeah. i think that's that's a big deal and and your money like where you're spending it and you know perhaps not even fucking spending it at all because a lot of the stuff that you can do um that costs money actually you can do naturally too by learning and making yourself available to uh, do those things and if you have that community then you have people with different talents and you can all work together and and do stuff like that also um and i'm i'm not a very good example of that myself but i aspire to be and i do try to do some of those things and take steps to uh not necessarily work off the grid but work without the assistance of the government yeah yeah build a parallel society that's better than what you're currently experiencing do their job better than they can do it and attract all of the people to your way of thinking won't that eventually get corrupted? <laughs> That's sure what I'm will. saying. I think <laughs> I think going does. within, I think the, you know, stepping within the politics of we have to make sure that we spread awareness enough to get a massive amount of numbers um, and just do that. It's going to take mm-hmm. years, but then yeah. we can attack within the politi- uh, political system on the inside. And then as they're doing their ceremony, you go around and you just fucking grab them by their dick and you say, ha ha. You're like, oh shit! You don't even have a dick. That's what I thought. You little punk, get out of here. <laughs> Something like that. I don't, I don't think that identifies. We're never going to get invited to Bohemian Grove now. Damn it! That's okay. I don't want to go there. <laughs> oh goodness, Charlie! It's been a pleasure, sir. Um, All right. I'm really excited for you. Well, book. thank you guys for having me. That's the fastest two hours we've we've done. I know, man. Like I had so many notes for nine eleven stuff, and uh, you know, so, like I said, nine eleven. Uh, you can sit here and talk for days about it. We'll we'll never finish. So I know. that's why I I said that earlier. Like Roman, if you got clips, do them now because uh, if we try to do it later, it's going to be too hard. Man. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So I. You know, for the people that haven't heard about 9-11 or, or don't know anything about it or want to find out more, like, go do some research. Go look into it. There's lots of good videos. There's Check out Charlie's you know, book. So, <laughs> yeah, check out yeah, Charlie's check out book. book. Like, Charlie, tell them where they can find your podcast at and wh- where they can get your books, hopefully not on Amazon. 
Yeah, you can um, you can find me at theoctopusofglobalcontrol.com. You can get my book in digital format there if you want to, sidestepping Amazon. Um, you can get the paperbacks on Amazon because they bought Create Space and that's the company that does the publishing and print on demand. So it's the deal with the devil. <laughs> it sucks. It's the deal with the devil. But also barnesandnoble.com, it's available there in paperback. So there is another option. Um, Macroaggressions podcast is available in audio format wherever podcasts are served and also in video format on David Icke's platform, Iconic on Rockfin, on Odyssey, and sometimes, depending on the topic, on YouTube. But you know how they are. You know how all, they are. They're just awful. So killing the Rockfin, by the way. Oh, Rockfin's fun, yeah. I like I like that. We we yeah, there's a good batch of people over there. I love, you know, there's a lot going on. So I uh I encourage people to go there and you, we're not getting censored and we like the owner. He's a good guy and we get along with the all the people there and you know, it's just a, it's just been a, a great place for 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 us to to talk about the things we want to talk about and we're not spreading hate and we're not talking about inciting violence or any of the shit that YouTube pretends that these videos are actually about. We're just talking about interesting topics and, and talking to people that are, um, that know more about certain subjects than we do and trying to expand our understanding of it. So if people are interested, if you want to check out macroaggressions, I do two shows a week, one's a monologue, one's an interview. And, um, this, uh, coming one, the the next one for Sunday is going to be with the, uh, generation Z guys where we talk about UFOs. So we get, we get weird. That's a good one. We'll get weird. Yeah. And all thanks right, well, for having me on again. Yeah. I always appreciate our times, uh, you know, talking about all this, all this yeah. nonsense. Well, I know Roman was getting, uh, starting to get a little homesick. He misses his dad. Um, <laughs> dear old, dear old Charlie dad. Yeah. I, I was like, <laughs> dude, like, I know it's only been a couple months. I think I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to hit him up anyway. <laughs> <laughs> This is oh, a good yeah. talk, though. Uh, I enjoy it. Thank you very much for uh, coming on the show again, and we'll see you next time. Until All then, right, everybody, thanks. wake up.